Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. All right. I forgot to breathe in there. Nice helmet, Josh. Where'd you get that from? Thank you. Thank you. Here's my authentic Viking helmet that I got in Scandinavia when I was in the museum. That is actually the most authentic thing I think I've ever seen. Except for it's not authentic to wear my glasses underneath it. Why else would you wear the helmet to protect your glasses? <laughs> I mean, if you were going to wear a helmet, you better be able to see. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> What's up, everyone? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm the non-helmeted host, Jimmy Wong. How is it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Okay, I'm going to take this off now. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't look that comfortable. Yeah, but it does look on. cool. Kind of cool. Actually, I don't know if it looks that cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. See, I come. I collect masks from whenever we go on our travels. I collect oh. masks. But not all cultures have like a mask tradition. Uh-huh. So this is kind of the closest I could find. It's kind of a mask, right? That's cool. You're like Sakashima of a thousand helmets. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is the second set review of 2021, and we are back on Kaldheim. Last time we reviewed all of the MDFCs, the gods that could be your commander. Uh, and this time we're going to review the rest of them because there are a ton of legendary creatures. So don't forget, check out the other episode if you want to see the rest of the set review. Yeah. These are going to be all the commanders that can't flip over or that don't flip over. They have nothing on the backside. They're just regular magic cards. <laughs> and if you want to get your hands on any of these cards, oh, yeah. you can pre-order them right now at cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. They're our sponsors. We talk about them every single episode because they give you the best service. They get mm-hmm. your stuff to you the fastest. It's in the best condition. If you want to get a booster box, a collector's booster, a set ooh, booster, ooh. whatever other kind of boosters they got, they have like 50 kinds now. You probably <laughs> want to get all of them. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone is the place to go. Yep. And of course, Ultra Pro, big sponsor of the show and someone that also goes in and makes the sickest play mats, the coolest wall scrolls, the sleeves, the dice, the everything, the deck box. If you want to make your just Battlefield look really metal and Viking-esque. Now is the time to do it. You don't need to build a whole ship or go to Scandinavia and buy a helmet like Josh. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. My Battlefield currently looks the awesomest. Yeah, it does actually. And it's on our old playmat, which yeah. was made by Ultra Pro. So we trust them, obviously, to keep our stuff safe. We've been using them for so many years now. Uh, if you want to support the show, Ultra Pro, also a sponsor. Yeah, full disclosure, the uh, helmet was not made by Ultra Pro. No. <laughs> that would be it a cool. It will protect your lineup. noggin, though. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. All kinds of cool perks, one of which is you get to see extra turns which I believe when you're watching this just came out. Whoa. Uh, but if you were a patron, you would have seen it before everybody else. And then Game Nights, which I think hasn't come out yet. You will see it before everyone else. Yeah, so you, if you go join the patron right now, the Patreon right now, then you're going to get to see Game Nights before everybody else. So, uh, And there's other perks like talking to Jimmy and I on the Discord each mm -hmm, and every day. So again, mm -hmm. patreon.com slash command, command zone is the way to uh, join that. And we shout out one lucky patron right. every single episode. We're, well, we're like on number like 250 at this point, I feel like. a lot. Of, we've shouted out a lot of patrons, and this episode is dedicated to Josh Garza. Josh. You rock. Yeah, good good name, right? Yeah, very good name. <laughs> um, I w we want to say something really quick here before we get into the main episode. Oh, yeah, right. So if you remember, we did the Game Nights auditions last year. Late last year, we accepted the audition submissions. Mm -hmm. uh, there are two different ways to submit. One is if you supported our Kickstarter, uh, and then the other was if you were a patron. And we received like a thousand audition submissions, wow. which is a lot. So that's why it's taken so long for us to go through. But we have gone through that process. We're almost narrowed down to the winner. At this point, we haven't exactly picked, but we have it narrowed down to like our top five and six. And we're, we're making the promise that we're going to decide who the winners are and we're going to announce them on the next episode of the <gasps> podcast. Exciting. That's our Kaldheim set review, the In the 99 set review. So make mm -hmm. sure if you uh, submit an audition that you turn, tune into that episode so you can find out if you're going to be the next fan guest on Game Night. I'm tuning in. I really hope my audition made it. We had a... <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of really good submissions. This year was harder than ever for sure. I bet, There was yeah. probably like, uh, there was a lot. Out of the thousand, I'd say there was 25 or 30 people we easily could be on the show. So wow. everybody did a, Yeah, everybody did a really good job. Unfortunately, we can't choose that many, so right, right. we just have to pick. Okay. But if you're in that 25, 30, even if you audition at all, it's a tough thing to do. So we really do congratulate you and, and applaud you for just taking those steps. It's definitely a bit of a, you know, jump, in the, jump into the water and you don't even know what's going to be there. So that's cool. Jimmy, you don't know anything about auditioning, do you? Oh, it's tough. So I, I really do feel for everyone and great everybody, job, everyone. Yeah, everybody did a great job. All right. So let's get into the Kaldheim more traditional commander review. We didn't know what to call this one. The best new traditional commanders? Non-gods? Yeah, regular commanders, even though they're not regular because we got some spicy ones in here as well. Yeah, I don't want to call them regular because yeah. a couple of these are definitely irregular. Yeah, that's such a bad precedent. Sorry, you're the regular commanders. Oh, man. Um, there, notably, there are two of the mini pre-cons, the mini commander right. decks for Kaldheim. We won't be discussing those two new commanders here. We're going to do budget upgrade videos like we always do for our commander decks, and so we'll talk about them more and break it down there. Yeah, so, yeah, we're not going to... We just won't talk about them at all this uh, episode. All right, let's get into it. Okay. Got, what are there, like 21 of these to go 21, through? 21, I believe, or 22. Some yeah. are uncommon, so there'll probably be less to say about those. Let's start off with everybody's favorite, white. Yay. So there's only one uh, mono-white regular traditional commander. <laughs> it's... Uh, Just give it some more adjectives. Seagrid, God-favored. One white, white for a 2-2 two -two legendary creature, human warrior. So three mana, 2-2, two -two, has flash, mm -hmm. also has first strike, and protection from god creatures. Ah, very meta. When Seagrid enters the battlefield, exile up to one target attacking or blocking creature until Seagrid leaves the battlefield. Okay, cool. What's the last part of the card? No, that's it. Oh, man. Okay, so this is similar to what White is very good at, which is exiling creatures. Um, cards like Fiend Hunter and Skyclave Apparition come to mind. Skyclave Apparition is actually really similar because when it leaves the battlefield, something happens with the card that was exiled in a way. Um, this ultimately reads like a combat trick, though, right? 
Yeah, and, and if it's in your command zone, that's not a very good combat trick, right? Because <laughs> no, not really a trick. Not, not at all. Yeah, you're not tricking anyone. I think this is a strict upgrade to Hixis Prison Warden, which is three white, white, flash, human soldier that when it, when it whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, if Hixis entered the battlefield, this turn exile that creature until Hixis leaves the battlefield. This can at least get an attacking creature out of the way before it even touches you. Right, you don't have to take the damage. Yeah. Also, it can be a t- attacking or blocking creature that somebody else is involved right, in combat that right. you're not involved with at all. I could see that getting someone occasionally, but typically if you have a high value creature on the battlefield, you're not putting that anywhere near combat. That's just risky. If Secret is in the command zone. So maybe this is a card that's just kind of better in the 99. Yeah, for sure. Just it seems it's like it's more surprising, right? Yeah, and first strike, right, in equipment decks seems pretty interesting, especially if you're attacking and you've got attack triggers like Wyleth or whatever. Uh, so you want them to stay alive. Oh, they block with their big thing. But it, it seems a little situational. I don't like these especially creature cards that when it leaves the thing comes back yeah because creatures are just easy to kill and they die a lot so it's a lot safer if it's on an enchantment because it's just more likely that's going to stick around right yeah i mean a board wipe gets their creature back which doesn't seem great yeah maybe there's some shenanigans you can do where you like use eldrazi displacer so you can like get it back and flicker it a bunch of times but i'd say as a mono white commander you probably want to find some other colors to put before you put this card in the deck yeah, I don't think this is this feels like it's first standard or something. Just aggressively costed um, flash first strike doesn't matter too much to us. Protection from god well, creatures. Flash. Yeah, it's definitely exactly. a standard. Uh, yeah, it's like a standard plant. Yeah, okay. there's got to be a few I think in every set, and this one seems to be very much in like the Kaldheim world too. Secret God favored is seems like it's a, a central character in the story maybe. All right, let's move on to blue. Blue has two uh, monocolored commanders. Uh, I also want to. Um, apologize in advance that I'm probably going to pronounce a lot of these names wrong. I've been to Denmark, like I said, Iceland a couple of times, Sweden. I've learned, oh, I've learned that, yeah, my <laughs> Scandinavian languages are very, very hard because they look like English and then you, you like say them phonetically and they're like, no. no. And then they say it and you're like, and then they say the word and you're like, what? Was that the... What, what, how did those letters <laughs> correspond to those sounds? That's just not how I was raised. So That's hilarious. I apologize to everybody because I'm going to mangle these. I, I'm going to try my best, but I, it's going to be bad. Um, so the next one is Inga Runeis. It's three and a blue for a 3-3. Three, three. Legendary creature, human wizard. When Inga enters the battlefield, you scry three. Oh, well. So I can already tell it's good with Elegith. Yep. When Inga Runeis dies, you draw three cards if three or more creatures died this turn. Oh, okay. So this reads to a lot of people as board wipe protection. If you right. have Inga out, you pay four mana to get a cool scry three. Maybe you abuse it because you have Elegeth Crossroads Augur, and then someone wipes the board. Three creatures died, as did Inga, and Boomy draw three cards. So four mana draw three, but it's very conditional, right? Right, because what if they cast Merciless Eviction or... Uh, yeah. Or what's the one that puts everything on the bottom of your library? Or Cyclonic Rift. It doesn't do anything, right? So a lot of board wipes don't end up with creatures technically dying even though it wipes. I mean, you know, it's good against Toxic Delusion stuff, but... Um, interestingly, the if, where the word if appears in this text actually makes a big difference because there's something called an intervening if in magic. So if the card read, when Inga dies, if three or more creatures died this turn, draw three cards, then you wouldn't be able to respond to it. However, it goes, when Inga dies, can you actually read it again? When Inga dies, comma, draw three cards if three or more creatures died this turn. Right. So Inga's going to die. You'll see the trigger on the stack. And then if you have like a sack outlet, you can sack creatures to sort of fulfill that, uh, what it needs. And then you'll draw three cards. And that also makes it so that it will see the other creatures that die at the same time as it yep yep got yep, it yeah um i think this is a potential fit for a marchesa the black rose deck because you're constantly sacrificing creatures and that seems like and they all come what, back they all come back right and then you'll draw more cards Inga will come back you'll scry again maybe but, any 
kind of aristocrats deck that has blue in it would think about this then because oh, yeah. they're going to be like, okay, sack, 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 sack this last. Right, Some right. Some of them come back. Maybe this does too, but even if not, draw three cards is okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, Kaikar's Winds Fury is one that a lot of people noticed online because you're making all the spirits that you're sacking for mana. Oh. Um, but I think four mana is a little actually high. Yeah. Um, especially because the second half it is so hard to fulfill. I mean, if you want to just pay four mana to draw three cards, you can do that. It's not that hard, especially in blue, but a lot of colors can do that kind of thing. So... You have to be able to, like, abuse it, and it's a lot of hoops to jump through to be able to draw six cards off this thing, right? Yeah, You have to lot. jump through hoops just to draw three cards sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're three creatures down, which doesn't yeah. seem great either. Um, I was thinking if you maybe play this in an Animar deck, you cast it for one blue to scry three, that could be worth it, because then at the very least, you, you know, it just costs nothing. Sure, but you're playing Animar. Yeah. Like, you get better than that. You could just play Moldrifter, <laughs> right? Just draw the cards. Yeah, it's a good point. All right, let's go to the next one. It is also mono blue, a very cool one. This is a mythic rare. Yeah, this one actually almost took up like half a page in terms of our notes on we it. We will so probably we'll discuss this one for roughly three to four times the amount we discuss most of these because there's a <laughs> lot going on here. It's Orvar, the all form. Three and a blue for a 3-3 three, three legendary creature shapeshifter. Oh. Has changeling, which means it's, it's all creature types. Oh. It says, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, if it targets one or more other permanents you control, create a token that's a copy of one of those permanents. Hmm. Permanents. You can copy lands. You can make land tokens. Blue Don't, ramp, here we come. Yep. It's crazy. I mean, all right. Sorry. I'm not done with the card yet. The second line of text, or the second, the third line of text, whatever. When it, when a spell or ability an opponent controls causes you to discard this card, create a token that's a copy of target permanent. Whoa, that's any permanent now, not ones that you control. So if you have this in your hand and they make you discard, you get to just a free clever impersonator. Wow. Right? Which is pretty sweet. That's not going to come into effect that much when it's your commander. And I think we're going to see this as a commander a lot because yeah. you really need the deck to be built around it to put it in your deck. It has to have a lot of instants and sorceries that target your own stuff, specifically lands, right? Because the ability to copy your land is ramp. If I cast a spell and it puts a land into play, even if it's a token copy of a land, mm -hmm. you have now just ramped. And all you had to do was target one of your lands with an instant or sorcery to do that. Jimmy, are there a lot of ways to target your own lands oh in blue? Oh my gosh, there are ways to target everything in blue, uh, and uh, specifically ways that are typically not played. So this card opens up a whole just mansion of cards here. So Twiddle is sort of the main one. It's a blue instant for just a blue, and it's you can tap, you may tap or untap target artifact creature or land. So you could <laughs> tap cast this, untap it, make another land, you're up on mana, and you, you just... gain two mana and put a land into play. That's better yeah. than rampant growth. For one blue, too. That's really, really crazy. Um, we'll just go down the list here. There's so many things here. I think Whim of Volrath, unfortunately oh not a cheap card anymore, How but... How much is it? It's like in the 20s, 30s. Oh it may be because of Orvar, maybe because it's just a very powerful card, actually. It's a blue instant again for one blue, but it has buyback for two. So you can pay an additional two as you cast the spell. If you do, you just buy back the card into your hand and as it resolves. So this one just says, change the text of target permanent by replacing all instances of one color word with another one, blah, blah, blah. So you can change like something that says non-red creature to non-green creature. Or if it says planeswalk, you can change it to swamp walk. You're rarely going to do that because you can target a permanent with this and not actually have that part of the spell resolve. So for Three mana, you get a rebuy backable uh, make a land rampant growth, yeah. But just on onboard rampant growth, yeah. Is that a sorcery or an instant? This one is an instant, so that might be. It's why an it's instant. 
<laughs> yeah. If you have six mana open at the end of someone's turn, you just... Actually, you don't need six mana. You need four mana because three cast oh it. Oh, my God. Because it gives you one mana back. It actually only costs two. Yeah. So if you have five mana and you're just sitting there with a counter spell or whatever... You get two more lands. And then nothing happens that you want to counter or whatever. Then you're just like, boom, ramp twice. And then next turn, that means I can ramp three times or four times. And there are, there are a million other cards that also can target your lands. It's not like yeah. that one. And some of them have buyback too. Yeah, Clock Spinning has buyback for three as an instant, so it costs one more in the last one. But this one is like choose a counter on target permanent or suspended card. You can remove a counter and put another counter on it. Again, you don't need to have a counter because it says choose a counter on target permanent. So that is the only thing that matters when you're casting these spells is you have a permanent that can be a target. And then it goes, oh, there are no counters? Who cares? Mind Games, and it's an instant with buyback for two in the blue. It's a tap target artifact creature or a land. Magical Hack is another one that changes changes the uh the 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 words on the, the spell of permanent yeah you're like oh that swamps now says island yeah but this one only costs one blue it's an instant doesn't have buyback um there's just so many cards here that do stuff aquatex will lets you put flood counters on the land for one blue again one in the blue glamour die does the same thing and this one has retrace so you can cast it from your graveyard by discarding a land card so if you draw a land you just make another land Jeez, it goes on forever. Churning Eddy, Early Frost. Early Frost is interesting. It's one in the blue for an instant. Tap up to three target lands. Now, this is one or more, so you can't choose three of your own lands. But you do one of yours and two of theirs. Exactly. Your upkeep, boom. Because remember, Orvar says, uh, if it targets one or more other permanents you control, create a token that's a copy of one of those permanents. Yep. It doesn't let you go nuts with that card, fortunately. But still, I mean, you anything that's... Uh, multiple targets if you're like target three of your things one of mine you'll make the copy but also do the bad thing to all their stuff yep 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 and then there's cards like political trickery which i didn't even know this card existed oh, these cards it's are really, really good because they cantrip right oh no this isn't no a this one's a cantrip these are actually it's a two in the blue for a sorcery exchange control of target land you control and oh, target right. land and opponents controls so you can give them an island and they can't use it and you take their best land and you copy the land that you were trying to trade to them you're like i take your guy's cradle give you an island but i actually create a token that's a copy of my <laughs> island when i <laughs> so do that so you get both so i didn't lose anything and you you lost your guy's cradle basically yeah. shifting borders does the same thing uh and then there's a bunch that can trip these are really good yep. shimmering mirage uh turns a land into another basic land type and then you draw a card enervate does a similar thing to tap artifact creatures or lands and you draw a card too so again any permanent so you can copy a creature an artifact an enchantment if you can if you can do something with it um, you wrote down Leap, which I thought was great because it's another cantrip, but it yeah, gives it only the creature, creature flying until end of turn, so you can swing with that, and then you have a blocker. Yep. Yippee. Uh, you can also combine any of the buyback stuff with, like, Baral, Chief of Compliance, Sapphire Medallion to just cut down on that mana cost. Yeah, and um, then when you com- when you add that on to casting or copying cards that are, like, mana rocks, big mana rocks, like Guild of Lotus, then you basically find ways, with, if you have buyback cards, to go infinite. You yeah, just make, so, you know, 50 Gilded Lotuses or whatever. Yeah, so when we originally wrote this down, like that whole first paragraph is just how do you copy lands. Right. And then also you're going to eventually, because that's the most exciting thing, like one mana rampant growth is crazy. Yeah, rampant yeah. growth is already the most played card in the format. And this is a better version of it if Orvar's out, right? One yeah, man- yeah, Twi- yeah, yeah. Twiddle just becomes way better than rampant growth. It costs, like it untaps the land, so it costs zero mana. And so it's a zero mana put a land into, into play. play yeah and deck thinning is not really a huge thing in commander so no. it doesn't even matter that on that b- behalf yeah so it'd be very easy to get excited about the lands which we are oh there's two more lands i want to talk about speaking of which oh yeah there are lands that care about how many of those type of lands are in play so there's cloud post and glimmer post and they are locust lands and they and 
uh, cloud post taps for the amount of mana equal to the amount of locusts that you have. Each in, locust on the battlefield, yeah. Uh, on the battlefield. So if you copy that like seven times, each of them... Wow, tap for like seven. Right. So if you have two of them, they each tap for two. And if you have three wow. of them, they each tap for three. So making copies of cloud post is insane. Yeah. But you don't have to just copy lands. Uh, Rachel Weeks, Game Night, Rachel Weeks, uh, who's also on the next episode of Game Nights, um, and we're going to talk about her commander in a little bit here that she played on the episode, but she's been building the Orvar deck and talking about it on Twitter, and ah. she mentioned how good Mirage Mirror is in this deck. Now, we know Mirage Mirror is a staple and good in every deck. Jimmy taught me that. This is so good now that I realize what she's doing with but it. But being able to copy something with Mirage Mirror that your opponents control mm-hmm. and then target it because... Overar can only only cares about you targeting stuff you control. Oh wow! Means now Mirage Mirror turns into the ability to make a token copy of anything anybody else has. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Artifact creatures or enchantments, and and it stays that way, right? Because it loses that until end of turn bit. Right, Mirage your Mirage Mirror, Mirror will turn back, but the token copy will just be the thing. Jeez, forever. Yeah, Jeez Louise. Um, you were kind of talking about this, Jimmy, but I think boomerang mm-hmm. effects are really really good in this deck. So blue has a bunch of effects that are basically either return target not or return target permanent to its owner's hand, or they have a bunch that are return target non-land, non-land permanent yeah. to its owner's hand. Most of these cost two mana, although Chain of Vapor costs one mana, doesn't target lands. Mm-hmm. But imagine you have Gilded Lotus out, and you tap it for three blue, and you target it with Boomerang, and you make a token copy of Gilded Lotus. And that Gilded Lotus goes back to your hand. Right. And you have one floating, and then you recast it with the Gilded Lotus that you just played, mm-hmm. and one mana, and now it taps. And you could make like, it, you're losing one mana every time, but if you have like seven or eight mana, you might be able to make like six Gilded Lotuses. And then if you just untap the next turn, you're probably going to win that game because you have so much mana. Like you could just take yeah. one turn where you just go, I do this five times and make five Gilded Lotuses. Uh, not to mention, yeah, if you have a Dalkinora, you can do it at instant speed. Yep. If you have Brawl out, then you will be getting mana because That's it true, makes the, the, the mana less. cost less. Yeah. Thrawn Dynamo might be able to just do the same thing. Chromatic Ori actually will probably make you go infinite in that case yeah i think that one's actually a legendary artifact so that might not work oh that doesn't work oh it's okay though um, <laughs> it's still so powerful and then just other stuff you can copy Amphim mutineer was one of the things i thought of first because think of how good it is Amphim mutineer comes in exiles something gives him a salamander and then you target it with boomerang make a token copy, exile something else, and now the Amphimune is back in your hand, which you can recast and exile something else. Yep. You also wrote down Snapcaster Mage and oh Torrential Gear Hulk, which are some of the best cards in the format to recur and replay over and over again. Look at how this works with Torrential Gear Hulk, for, for example. You flash it in targeting your boomerang. The boomerang targets the Torrential Gear Hulk, makes a copy of Torrential Gear Hulk, bounces the original back and to you your can hand. cast something that else. copy of Torrential Gear Hulk copies something else in oh your... Oh my goodness. In Yeah, exactly. And guaranteed you're going to have a lot of spells that are these types of like target things on your battlefield. So Whittles and everything, right? There's got to be ways to go infinite with this deck, like 15 different ways. Um, you have Kaomancer like, and Mnemonic yep. Wall, they get the... Um, the, the instant sorceries back to your hand, which could be better than Torrential Gear Hork or Snappy because they exile the, the instance after you use them, which right. Archaeomancer and stuff doesn't. Mystic Sanctuary is a land that when it enters the battlefield, if you have enough islands, you can choose an instant or sorcery. No, it does it regardless. Oh, when you're right, you're right. Yeah, you have to have so three islands. You have to have three islands, enters the battlefield untapped, and then you put a target instant or sorcery from your graveyard on top of top your, your library. Yeah. You just boom at instant speed. Oh, before, I'm going to make a copy of my Mystic Sanctuary. I'm going to put this on top of my library. That's a way to go infinite, maybe with extra turn spells. You know, if, yeah, you, if you don't if you don't care if you have friends or not. Yeah, you have precognition field, which lets you play in blue. That lets you play cards, instant sorcerers off the top of your library, which is probably just good in this deck anyway. And that's a way to go infinite with Mystic Sanctuary because 
if you can find a way to cast that top card for free, right. then now you can just copy Mystic Sanctuary over and over again and keep putting that thing back on your oh, library. You're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A- another big thing, too, is all the MDFCs. It's a great way to bounce one that you played as a land, get it back to your hand, and you can cast it as a spell, but you still have the land left over. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you want to bounce those. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, I also think things that target multiple things are really good. So Sublime Epiphany, Mystic Confluence. Think of how good Sublime Epiphany is, especially in a deck that has Archaeomancer and Mnemonic Wall that Mm -hmm. you're making tokens of. Because you're like, play Sublime Epiphany, counter your thing, bounce this thing of mine, make a copy of this other thing, and then... Get it, the Sublime Epiphany back because it's an Archaeomancer or a Mnemonic yeah. Wall. You know what I mean? And now I'm sitting there, you know, Torrential Gearhulk, this other thing, because that's what I made a copy of. That's crazy. Anytime you create something, like this says create a token that's a copy of target creature you control, you get two copies. because of And one of them card. bounces the spell you just cast back to your hand. <laughs> yeah, right. So you didn't use a card at all, and you just created all this extra value. Uh, Mystic Confluence can do the same thing, bounce two of their creatures, mm-hmm. one of yours, end up with misconfluence back in your hand at the end of it that kind of thing you know or counter their spell whatever yeah yeah so i think anything that targets multiple things like that yeah yeah this is so powerful i I like this with both of the sakashimas as well because these are cards that enter as copies of other stuff so you can just you know make copies of orvar copies of other copies yeah copy an orvar imagine i twiddle my land and get three lands or something oh yeah at that point you're just i make i can twiddle my sakashima (laughs) right and now make an, a fourth copy of Orvar, a fifth copy of Orvar. No, actually, if I twiddle my Sakashima, I have four Orvars. If I twiddle again, I have eight Orvars. Jeez Louise. Because Sakashima makes the legendary rule not count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, just make a billion Orvars. And then the next one, yeah, it's like every twiddle I cast or boomerang I cast it just, makes 10 lands, which means like I mean, we see where this instant goes. Instant win at that yeah. point, yeah. Um, if you are going to play this in the 99, uh, Volrath the Shape Stealer, because we did talk about Whim of Volrath, this is a card that becomes a copy of another creature with a counter on it, and then it's except it's a 7-5 and has the ability to become another copy. So it becomes a copy, you have Orvar out, you can copy that and it's become something else, and then your original turns back, so a lot of shenanigans you could do here. It's kind of like Mirage Mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. And then don't forget, you got enchantments, planeswalkers, all that good stuff. Um, there is a card called Psychic Corrosion, that's an enchantment. Whenever you draw a card, each opponent it mills two cards you have all these cantrips you just make a bunch of psychic corrosions just mill everyone out yeah Pretty exciting orvar is freaking sweet you're gonna be able to do some crazy stuff i think there's probably a very very powerful version of this deck too yeah with you know a decent there's gotta be a competitive type version of this deck yeah i don't know if it's quite cdh although it probably is because just mono blue in general can can get there because of lab maniac and i I bet there's a way to like draw your whole deck and then uh, thassa's oracle sorry not lab maniac right and and win but and you can hold up every counter spell in the game pretty much yeah but it's also very sweet to just be able to make token copies of your lands. I want to do that real bad. I mean, I just can't believe that blue... I, I, I can't believe this card doesn't say non-land permanent. That just baffles yeah. my mind. Yeah. All right. He is an, Oh, wait, one last thing. He's a changeling. So if you have a tribal deck, he, he can guarantee go into any tribal deck that can play blue. Just saying. All right. Uh, on to black. It's Varagoth, Blood Sky Sire. There's no the. Two and a black for a 2-3 demon rogue has death touch. Is this our first instance of Boast? I think so, because we talked about it uh, last set review, but we never actually saw an instant of it. Okay, so this card has Boast. So Boast, you pay one in a black, and target player searches their library for a card, then shuffles their library and puts that card on top of it. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> but you can activate this ability only if a creature attacked this turn and only once each turn. So you can only Boast once per turn, but then, yeah, you choose someone to Vampiric Tutor, basically. 
Yeah, pretty exciting because you can obviously do this to yourself. It's it's a tutor on an attacking creature. It's got death touch, so it's going to be hard to block. This seems like a slam dunk in Timna the Weaver because you get oh, to yeah. attack with them, put the card on top, and then Timna lets you draw that card immediately that same turn. That's pretty sweet. Same thing with Marchesa the Black Rose. This is the kind of card that you want to be able to, you know, because people are going to block the heck out of this But you thing. don't care because it's going to come back. Yeah. Um, you can even use Reconnaissance on a card like this because mm. it, it will. you can literally attack and then immediately use it before any blockers or anything declared so you can then take it out of combat with other means. Maze of Ith. Yep, you maze of it, yeah. Yuriko, the Tigress Shadow, I think is really sweet with this because you get to Commander Ninjutsu Yuriko for this card, but you've boasted, so you put the highest CMC thing you want on top of your deck. Yuriko smacks them, flips it over, and does damage to everyone. Oh, you stack it. So on attack, Yuriko, oh yeah, on you attack, do this you first, boast. yeah, and then Yuriko, it's unblocked, and then boom, you know you put the, oh, you put expropriate there or something. Yeah. Wow. Be exciting. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Jeez. So, uh, oh, Jeez. yeah. And if you have opposition agent out and then you make some oh, elf tutor yeah. in their library, because it's any player that you steal you their best card. Steal their best card. Yeah. It's a pretty good play just to get the best card so that it's not in their deck anymore, especially if they're like some, you know, they've got like a combo win or something. You yeah, can just yeah, take yeah. out like the scary card. Oh, and extra combat steps, again, not a combo with this because you can only boast once a turn on yeah. each card. It's not once per attack. Or yeah, yeah. Um, and then I was thinking, this is actually pretty interesting politicking. Like, hey, just take a couple damage. I'll let you find your best thing because so-and-so is going out of control over here. Yeah, you got a board wipe in your deck? Okay, I'll do this if you promise to you get your board wipe. <laughs> yeah, it also like, kind of blinks their next turn. Right, yeah, because they have to do that. It's yeah. like a wish claw talisman type effect, but you don't have to necessarily give them the effect. Uh, somebody said... Obnixilis, the Unshackled, the one that deals a bunch of damage when you oh, search right. your Anytime library. Oh, right, search, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's because you force them to search. And they also have to sack a creature, so they lose yeah. 10 life, sack a creature, and then they search for something. Problem and is, can... they're going to search for something to kill Obnixilis, probably. Yeah, probably, <laughs> geez. But if, like, there's a way for them to, you know, that, take 10 damage out of the network, that could be a big game, especially yeah. when we start with Or 40. they could be dead. Yeah, there you go. All right, that's cool. All right, moving on to Jimmy's favorite color. We're now in red. Woohoo! This can't be how you pronounce this card, but this is how I'm going to say it. So it's Arnie Broken, Bra Arnie. broken Brow. It's like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnie Broken Brow, yeah. Brow, Broken Brow. Brow, there we yeah. go, yeah. Um, but he's Austrian. He's not uh, Scandinavian, true, right? No. I they're, think. They're, it's, it's a mountainous region. It's fairly close Someone to Someone is going to get so like, upset pretty, yeah. <laughs> at me saying Austria is like Scandinavian. There's a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger references because we did do the whole ice to see ice you for Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was our governor, so. Yeah, true. Someone's got to make that a, a, an, uh, an altar at some point. Yeah, so. yeah. All right. Arnie Brokenbrow is two and a red for a 3-3 three, three human berserker has haste. And also has boast, but for only one generic mana. Hmm. And it says, you may change Arnie's base power to one plus the greatest power among other creatures you control until end of turn. So if you have a 5-5 five, five out, you attack with Arnie and you pay one and he'll become six power. Six, a 6-3. Six, that's okay. it. That's, that's all it does. Um, there's like a couple of things you can do. There's a card called Phyrexian Devourer. Also not cheap because I'm guessing CEDH or something uses this. It's a six mana one one. And then when its power is seven or greater, you sacrifice it. But you can just freely exile the top card of your library to put X plus one plus one counters on it where X is the exile cards convert the mana cost. So you could just stack this up to like a 30-30, have Arnie change into it. You lose the Phyrexian Devourer, but then Arnie hits. But this is a six mana artifact. So I, I yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, hey, Good, good job coming up with something you could do with it. Yeah. I um, mean, there's all those those red cards that kind of, like, come into play. They're big. They have haste. And they usually, like, you have to sacrifice them at the end of the turn. So there's, like, ball lightning. Oh, yeah. Cosmic yeah, yeah. larva. That kind of stuff. So yeah, you can just hit people for a lot, I guess. Yeah, so you just play it and... 
it has a lot of power, so Arnie becomes big power. The problem is Arnie doesn't pump his own toughness, so they just block, and then Arnie dies, right? They're like, yeah. okay, well, that's scary. I'll block it. Well, how about uh, Greven Predator Captain? Oh, that's interesting. You pay so, the one, and then you sack it and draw the cards? Yeah, and then the creature that you didn't want to sack, that's like a 7-5 or a 7-3 for three mana or whatever. Maybe it sticks around for another turn. So you kind of like, like that. Actually, in my Greven deck, the sort of um, the threshold that I judged cards by was, could were they three mana? If they were three CMC, they had to have at least five power. And okay. Arnie will have six because it will, because Greven has to be out, right? Mm-hmm, and Greven's mm-hmm. a 5-5, five, five, so... Oh, yeah, that's right. So automatically, even if you don't have anything else, this gives you at least six. On right, three which is good card. for three mana. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess four because you have to pay the one to boast it. Yeah, that's a good point. It does cost the one mana, and that is a thing. That is a thing. Yeah. Um, it, all of you uh, uh, Barbarian Warrior Berserker fans, Lovisa Cold Eyes is the stereotypical three red red uh, legendary creature 3-3 three, three, that gives them all plus two plus two and has haste. So maybe Arnie finds a spot in that very weak travel deck. <laughs> Maybe, maybe it does. All right, let's move on to the next mono red commander, which is yeah. very cool. And Jimmy, this is the deck that uh, you're playing in the next game nights, right? It is. I'm so excited about this card. Uh, it may be one of the most powerful mono red commanders ever printed. Even Jimmy, back more to than... his mono red roots for game nights here. Know, this I, is... I need to build another mono red deck. Uh... <laughs> yeah, th- this deck is actually quite good, quite strong. It's got a lot of text on it. Here we go. Magda, Brazen Outlaw, one and a red, so two mana for a two-one dwarf berserker says other dwarves you control get plus one plus zero okay whenever a dwarf you control becomes tapped create a treasure token okay so magda is a dwarf so when she attacks you'll get a treasure token but any dwarf you attack with so you can make six treasure if you yeah. uh, atta- or seven if you Not attack with the attack seven dwarves it becomes tapped yeah oh yeah that's true when it becomes tapped good point yeah also it says sacrifice five treasures Search your library for an artifact or dragon card. Put that card onto the battlefield. Oh. Then shuffle your library. And Magna can do this as many times as you have five treasure. So if you have 15 treasure, you can do this three times. And you can do it at instant speed. Yeah, this is nuts. Um, Any artifact or dragon. Artifact is the big one, as those typically are the most powerful sort of cards across every deck. Uh, And the fact that it it is not on attack, it's when they get tapped means that there's a lot of things you can do here. So the internet went abuzz. The the cards that everyone's talking about are Dwarven Blood Boiler, mm. which is a red, red, red dwarf that just says tap and untap dwarf you control. Target creature gets plus two, plus zero until end of turn. So you can just freely tap dwarves, including itself. You don't even have to care about the plus two, plus zero part. It can be on end step before your yep. turn. Boom, yep, make yep. five treasures or whatever, yeah. Chiron Negotiations, two red, red for an enchantment. Tap an untapped creature you control. This deals one damage to target player or planeswalker. This is just actually a pretty good card if you're doing any sort of token shenanigans, too. It's pretty sweet because when, when it also says create a treasure, like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually like equipment in this deck because there's one called Leon and Bola. It's a one-mana artifact with a one-equip cost, and it says equip creature has tap, unattach Leon and Bola, tap target creature. So you pay one to tap this, uh, attach this to an, a dwarf, you tap it to unattach the Leon and Bola, and then you can use it to tap another dwarf, and then you can tap it, and you can equip it to something else. But that right there gets you two treasures just off of, a, off of like, one activation, which is pretty cool. It's also pretty good if you're, like, uh, before combat, I tap down your big scary thing so it can't attack me. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> and I get having, a treasure. And it only costs one to re-equip, so that's pretty decent, um, all things considered. Vehicles seem pretty good in this deck, too, because every time something has a equi- uh, crew cost, you can tap any number of creatures you control total power x or more where x is the uh the the crew cost yeah so, you can over crew yeah you can over crew you can stick every dwarf you want into a smuggler's copter or a mobile garrison when it attacks untap another target artifact or creature you control so then again oh, it has nice. a little bit of like shenaniganry you can do around there 
Because you can tap them to crew it, get the treasure, and then untap one of the dwarves to get another treasure later. Yeah, and especially if you have like current negotiations out, you know, uh, there's lots of things you can do here um, just to get extra extra value out of all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then making a ton of treasure seems pretty good in this deck. Brass's Bounty is a six and a red sorcery. For each land you control, you create a treasure token. Darkside Extortionist, which is just absurdly expensive now, does the same thing. Obviously, gets you a bunch of treasure. There's a new card. Really exciting. We'll definitely talk about this in the set review, but it's called Goldspan Dragon. Yeah, this is cool. Three red red for a 4-4 flyer with haste. Whenever Goldspan Dragon attacks or becomes the target of a spell, you create a treasure token. And treasures you control have tap, sacrifices, artifact, add two mana of any one color. They create double. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. In this deck, I think you don't mind necessarily sacking the treasures just to ramp. Early. No, no, I think that's what you do early, and then later when you've got enough, they're kind of become the plan of like, all right, now if Magda's on, around on the end step before my turn, yeah. you better all be scared. Because think of some of the artifacts that can come out. Blightsteel Colossus can come out. You mm-hmm. know, any dragon. Like, those any are some dragon. of the scariest creatures in Magic, and they're coming out with virtual haste. Yeah, and Michael Synth Lattice is the big one that everyone talks uh, about. Cause it's a six-mana artifact. All permanents are artifacts, and then all the cards that aren't on the battlefield, spells and permanents are colorless. So it allows you to get any card in your deck now. Yeah, well, yeah, they are all permanent artifacts, and they're not all cards that aren't on the battlefield are colorless. So oh, it, it doesn't turn them into artifacts. Yeah, they're not in your deck. Oh. But this is just like one of those things where you put it out there, everyone kind of just like, and you just have like a vandal blast. You just wreck people's lives because <laughs> it turns their lands into artifacts too. Perforos, the blonde, the bronze blooded, which is the ner- new Perforos, seems pretty good because you're going to have a bunch of big dragons in the deck. So yeah. You don't want to have those stuck in your hands. Yeah, and Perforos specifically also does artifacts or red creature yeah. cards, and not many people can put sneak attack into every deck, so that's a great replacement for it. I even thought Soul of New Phyrexia, one of my old favorite top artifact cards, would be great just because it's a 6-6 six, six trampler that you can pay 5 to give your permanence indestructible until end of turn. So you already have that usually with 5 treasures. If you're in a really tough spot, you can do that to just give everything you know anti-board by protection, and you're going to need a little bit of that in this deck. Yeah, it gives Magda the utility, not just, hey, I can bring out something scary. Also, I can do some tricky stuff like save my board from a board wipe. Yeah, Phyrexian Triniform is a huge artifact creature too (laughs) uh, from Commander Legends. And then Dragon-wise, Nullspine Dragon, it's a great card to get out in instant speed because this is a five red red dragon. When it enters the battlefield, you may discard your hand and draw cards equal to the damage dealt to target opponent this turn. So let's say you have a massive turn, everyone's attacking, you make a bunch of treasures, you do 10 damage to someone, you can fetch out this dragon, discard your hand, draw 10 cards. Yeah, refill your hand. So now Magda has a way to draw your cards, which is pretty sweet. Yep. Steel Hellkite is an artifact and a dragon at the same time. Um, and then if we're talking about dwarves, tons of dwarves. Seven dwarves is a card that you can put seven of in your deck, and it's just two red for a two two, uh, one and a red for a two two dwarf. It gets plus one plus one for each other creature named seven dwarves you control. Um, that's if you're just trying to fill dwarven space, I guess. Well, and also the fact that they can get bigger, like two three threes, is actually pretty good because you want to be able, to, like. And they become four threes with Magda out, too. Yeah, and you want to and be able to attack because that's going to be the main way you're going to be able to get tapped. Hopefully, you have this, you know, an equipment or something, but if you don't have that out... Yeah, you're going to... But early to in the game, they're two drops. You're mm-hmm. usually going to be able to attack. Yeah. Uh, Dwarven Recruiter mm-hmm. is like Goblin Recruiter, but for dwarves. So, there's a lot of fun stuff to do here. I think this deck definitely has the potential to, like, very early, very quickly, just get five treasures out, go nuts, and then blammo, like, you can fetch out something crazy on, like, turn three or four, depending on how fast you ramp this out. And again, like like Josh said, they have ritual haste, because if you look at Magda, it says you can bring it out at instant speed. Very hard to interact with. Yeah, pretty sweet. Pretty cool deck. I yeah. like Magda quite a bit. Yeah, I do too. It, it covers one of Red's deficiencies, which of course makes is why the deck is so good because all of a sudden you don't have to worry about the ramp as much. That's covered. In a yeah. lot of ways, you might even be able just to play Magda as a creature in any mono red deck because if you swing with it once, you get a treasure. 
True, yeah. <laughs> but I you, think you want some want other them. dwarves. Yeah, you want yeah, some other yeah, dwarves yeah. to really get uh, get crazy with it. And then I, I like it too because you can play it pretty casually. You can go more competitive with it. You can just be like, big dragons only. <laughs> just go that route too, you know. It, it, it scratches the Timmy itch. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's go on to green here. Everyone was very excited. Excited? I yeah, think everyone, people, yeah. Some people were excited uh, about the return here of Vornklex. <laughs> Craig was excited. Monstrous Raider. Craig was excited, and I'm going to hold it up because there is uh, a Phyrexian version Ooh, of with the Phyrexian text. With the Phyrexian oh, so cool. writing on it. They yeah. only did that with Elish Norm before, and that's one of my favorite looking cards. That, yeah, you know, so that's pretty sweet. I have no idea how hard it's going to be to get a hold of these. Um, we just happened to get one in the booster packs we opened for oh, game nice. nights. So I want to brag about that a little. Okay. <laughs> Just to Craig, really. Because bo- he's going to no, edit this. You're boasting, dude. Yeah, yeah. Come on. I'm boasting. Yeah, I can only do it once. Yeah. But it's because <laughs> Craig's editing this, so I just want to be like, ah, check it out. Uh, okay. Vorinclex, four, sorry, Vorinclex Monstrous Raider. Four green green. So six mana for a six six Phyrexian Praetor. Has trample and haste. It says, if you would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, put twice that many of each of those kinds of counters on that permanent or player instead. Very familiar. Yeah, that's huge. And I bet you can guess the next part then. If you would put, if, oh, sorry, it's not the, um, all right, it's not the tokens thing though. It doesn't do the other part of doubling season, right? Yeah, I bet you can't get the next, yeah. next part. It says if an opponent would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, they put half that many of each of those kinds of counters on that permanent or player instead, rounded down. So this wow. does what Vorinclex used to do. It's sort of in the same theme, right? The old right. Vorinclex is like your lands tap for double, their lands don't. tap for half, kind yeah, of, because they, they don't untap. Stay untapped. They stay yeah. untapped, yeah. This is like you get double counters on everything and everybody else gets half counters on oh, everything. It's okay. kind of like, uh, what is it, Gisela for counters. Yep, 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 yep. This is interesting. This is doubling season, basically, but for one mana more. Uh, more importantly, like... It, it is it's a hate bear against other counter decks your dub it just turns off their doubling season it turns off a lot of things it turns off an infect deck almost entirely yeah that's crazy um and that's I why think, i was saying ha ha to craig yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay he's gonna get his revenge with two cards down with the, the mono green <laughs> card um yeah i mean like i think having a redundant version of doubling season in any deck that wants it seems yep. pretty good it doesn't do the token doubling it only does the um the, the interaction with Planeswalkers is what we're yeah. kind of talking about, really, right? That's the other big thing that doubling season does is it makes the Planeswalkers come in with double uh, loyalty. And yeah. and this Vorinclex does do that. If you're playing it with blue, it just goes infinite with Jace cutting Castaway because Jace comes in with three and then doubles up to six. And then his minus five is create two tokens that are a copy of Jace cutting Castaway, except they're not legendary. Those tokens come in at three loyalty or six. six and then blah, blah, blah. So you just make infinite Jaces. Uh, I mean, any Planeswalker that does stuff with doubling season will do stuff with Vorinclex. Yep. Yeah. The, do the same thing, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It seems kind of fun if you play it with Phylath because that card is just adding tons of plus one, plus one counters on target plants. Um, and then uh, I was thinking it, this kind of is bad sometimes because if your opponent has a combo, has a Glenelendra Archmage, they get it back and the Persist counter doesn't come on it because it, it rounds it down. So you just it just comes back and just will instant persist forever. So like the Kitchen Finks combo, if they have a sack outlet, <laughs> they can just infinitely gain life the moment you play this Foreign Collects. Wow, so if they have, have sack, out, sack outlet with like Murderous Red Cap, all of a sudden you can't... Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, because it, it's with rounded Finks. down. Yeah. If it's like rounded up, then it would always get at one, it would still be the same. But this, if it only putting one counter on it, rounds it down to zero. <laughs> Oh, it's really bad against Glenelendra, Murderous Redcap, Kitchen Finks. Yeah. Oh, and those cards see a lot of play. I didn't even mm-hmm. think of that. That's, that makes this card significantly worse. 
Yeah, I think you're the you're if you play this card, you want to do it and then try and win very quickly, or hope that your meta doesn't have that sort of effect. That's interesting. Um, also, if they have a saga, it is not going to happen because it tries to place a lore counter. That lore counter will never hit the saga, so you just turn their sagas off. Oh, that's really interesting. So that that is another yeah. So it's like it's weird. It it's good. It's bad. It's great. It's awful. It's a lot of things. It's Vorinclex. <laughs> It's good, it's bad, it's great, it's awful, it's foreign. It's foreign class, yeah, we just made the commercial for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, the next mono green, there are three mono green commanders. If you remember, um, mono green oh, right. had less of the MDFC commanders. Yeah, they only had one, I think. So yeah, so they got an extra yeah, yeah. traditional commander here. Um, so the next one is Toski, Toski, Bearer of Secrets. Toski. This <laughs> this is Rachel Weeks' uh commander that she plays on the next episode of game nights she she pronounces it toski so i think so so toski sounds cuter too and it's pretty cute so that's how i'm gonna say it toski bearer of secrets three and a green for a one one legendary creature squirrel Woo! legendary squirrel squirrel. yep this spell can't be countered Hmm. well four mana one one i'm i don't know why i'd want to counter it (laughs) it has indestructible that's a reason getting better toski attacks each combat if able has to attack. Has indestructible, so it's not going to die. But you can't okay. just hold it back on defense. Now we're like, now we're back into that. I don't. Why is there another thing. downside? It's a four mana one one. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, don't want to counter. Maybe I'll counter. I don't even want to counter. It can't be countered anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, the last ability is pretty good. It says when whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Yay! So this is cool because Edric Spymaster of Tress, which is similar to this has any creature dealing combat damage to one of your opponents is control and may draw a card. This is one-sided, so that's a lot better in, in the decks that want to go wide and draw a ton off of a commander like this. Right, your opponents cannot draw cards off of Toski. Yeah. Um, now, Toski is, fits great in a bunch of 99s as well. If you're playing any of the Mutate decks, Toski is not a human. It is definitely a creature. Oh, so, Aluna and Otremia are both cards that, that want to have an indestructible card to mutate onto because that way you're not going to as easily lose it. Yep. Which makes a lot of sense. Um, and then you're sort of like back onto the Volrath the Shape Stealer plan because you can like copy whatever you suit this thing onto, right? Like you can like you you like mutate some crazy thing Volrath is out or whatever, you copy that and I don't know. It it seems interesting. Yeah, it feels like you want to go wide. You want to make a lot of squirrels or a lot of tokens of one ki- of any kind, really, because whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, you draw mm-hmm. a card. So it doesn't matter how hard each creature is hitting for individually it really matters how many creatures are connecting with your opponents that's how many cards you'll draw right so it feels like it wants to push you in that direction of go wide yeah if you play druids call it's an enchantment whenever enchanted creature is dealt damage its controller creates that many one one green squirrel creature tokens so now they can't even block him otherwise you make more things that draw more cards or block her or i don't even know what toski is um and then there's oran Frostfang, gives your creatures death touch and it's very similar whenever creature you control deals combat damage to a player you draw a card so yep I think you probably want to put some things in the deck that give Toski Vigilance. Ah, uh, okay. Because it is a great blocker, because it's indestructible. Rachel yeah. likes to say it's indestructible squirrel. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you want it to be back to block too, but it has to attack each combat fable. So, you know, you're not, you, if it doesn't have Vigilance, you can't hold it back. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. I think this is, you know. Could be a really fun squirrel-ish deck, you know, and mm-hmm. having indestructible in commander is a great way to, and not, like, this almost feels like it's a card for someone that's just getting into the game. Can't be countered, so there's no feel-bads there. Indestructible is going to dodge a lot of removal and just is going to smack people for a lot and draw you cards. Yeah, so you can really build around it without worrying that it's going to go away and your whole deck's going to be turned off. And at the same time, it doesn't feel like an effect that's so crazy powerful that yeah. it's, like, you know, broken. So, yeah, I kind of like where Toski sits. He's kind which of is, which is in a tree. Though, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Alaska. Like, where's the pun? <laughs> it's coming. All right. The third mono green commander is Finn the Fangbearer. It's one in a green for a 1-3 human warrior. This one's uncommon. 1-3 has death touch. So two mana 1-3 with death touch and says whenever a creature you control with death touch deals combat damage to a player, that player gets two poison counters. Oh. So it turns all of your death touchers into infect, kind of. It's not the same as infect, right? So infect works however much damage they deal. That's how many poison counters your opponent gets. This is your opponent gets two poison counters if they're dealt combat damage. It doesn't matter if one of your death touchers is 7-7. Yeah, and it's only two, so that's not great. I mean, like, at first I was like, this is Craig's card, but it's not as good as it looks for that sort of infect prototype on the surface. Um, Non-combat things that you're doing don't really care. Like, it's combat damage only, and it requires the the creature to have death touch. That's the other big thing. At least it doesn't take away their normal combat damage, which I kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... It's kind of added, but yeah, how many death touch creatures does your deck have to have or normally create to make this good? It's a lot, right? Because yeah, just it's giving, almost all of them, right? Yeah, just giving four poison counters to somebody is not that great. It only is good if you can regularly hit them with five, five times with the death touch creature, and that's a lot. Yeah, so I think you're actually putting this in the 99. So people have been trying to build death touch decks with Glissa the Traitor or Chevel being the monsters. Actually, Hapatra, a deck you built, might be the perfect place for this to sit. Yeah, I actually, when I saw this card, I'm still thinking about whether I would put it in Hapatra or not. It's right on the edge. Yeah, so when Hapatra, it's a a black-green 2-2. When it deals combat damage to a player, you may put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. And then whenever you put one or more minus one, minus one counters on a creature, you create a 1-1 green snake creature token with... Death touch. So maybe it's like an alternate win condition then. You have 20 snakes, but you can't kill them with it. But now with this card out, boom, you swing with everything. Everyone gets two poison counters per snake that hits. Seems like that's a way to kill someone. It seems like it, but I've played that deck a lot. I've I've had it for a long time. Uh, It's one of the decks from an early episode of Game Nights. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like in most games... I don't swing with a lot of snakes more than once. Oh. Right? You either swing with a lot of snakes and you crater off Beastmaster Ascension, Triumph of the Hordes, whatever it is, and win. But you very rarely are like, hit you with four snakes. Yeah. Hit you with three snakes. Next turn, hit you with three more. And you've and if you ever have like eight or nine snakes and you're swinging, you're winning that turn because you have Beastmaster Ascension or something else. So, does so this, I guess this is just like kind of redundancy, but it's not even as good as Beastmaster. In that's the, the question. Would it replace Beastmaster or Craterhoof or one of those? And mm-hmm. I don't think it's as good as one of those because there are times when like it's not going to punch you through the damage and win where those cards would. And I don't think there are any points where this would punch through where those cards wouldn't. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's tough to make this card work. You want it like the Death Touch dot deck isn't as f- fleshed out as the the Menace Menace deck. Yeah. You've got Hooded Blightfang, which is in black, and it's whenever a creature you control Death Touch attacks each opponent loses one life you gain a life um so it's like got a lot of help in small places around frassifying that we talked about earlier i think you really just want to put this in a regular deck that's got big creatures that have death touch already and then maybe you give them trample with nylea god of the hunt or you put a fire shrieker on them and it's going to give them four counters uh poison counters because it's going to hit them twice yeah so this looks a lot more impressive i think and it's a lot scarier than it actually is i think they've been Sort of going in the direction of this keyword tribal with menace, death touch, trample, some of uh, flying, flying even. Yeah, flying's more there than the rest. I don't think death touch is there, but this card maybe gets better as the years progress because they tend to give us a few little pieces for this. It looks like like every yep. you know every set's getting like one or two or something. So maybe in like two years 
we hit critical mass and that deck is a thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We are through all the monocolored traditional regular Ooh. commanders, but we still have all the multicolored ones to go. And there are a lot of them, as you can see in my hand here. 12. So yeah, but before we go through all those, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, we are back reviewing all of the non-god MDFC, non-MDFC <laughs> legendary creatures from Kaldheim that can be your commander and also might end up in your 99, but mostly we're talking about from the perspective of being as your commander. We don't know how to... Uh, designate them. Yeah, is that too long? They're the ones that you can't title, flip you over. Yeah, <laughs> that, the whole thumbnail is just text. <laughs> Even the yeah. <laughs> oh boy, we've been doing this too long. All right, what's next up, Josh? All right, these are we, all multicolored. Buttons. Yeah, we're going through the multicolored ones. We're going to go through them in alphabetical order. So the first one is Agar, the Freezing Flame. I have the cool uh, showcase frame foil oh, for this one. Foil. Yeah, oh. look at that. The showcase frames on this set are really sweet. You jealous yet, Craig? <laughs> all right, it is. Uh, one blue, red, so three mana total for a 3-3 three, three legendary giant wizard. This is an uncommon as well. It says, whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess damage, if a giant wizard or spell you controlled dealt damage to it this turn, draw a card. Oh. There's a lot to unpack there. Excess damage is damage over the amount of toughness they have. So, so first of all, Anytime a creature your opponent's control is dealt more damage than toughness they have, then you're going to ask, was that creature dealt damage by a giant wizard or spell you controlled this turn? Right. Any of the giant comma wizard comma spell. The spell is the big one because that seems like what's going to be doing the most damage here. And it can, the damage they're taking that's got excess damage can be from a giant wizard or spell it can be like this, the giant, yes, you go, they're taking seven damage, they have four toughness, that's three excess damage, and you go, did they take damage from a giant wizard or spell? And you go, yeah, the yes. thing that's hitting them is a giant. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then it, it qualifies, and you will draw a card. Yeah, one not card. three for the, yeah, you just want one card per creature. Right. But it could also be like, you attack with a two-two giant. There aren't any two-two giants. You <laughs> attack with a four-four giant. They attack with, they block with a one-six. Mm -hmm. Right? That's no excess damage. But then... That thing has taken four, four damage. damage. It's got four damage marked on it. And you go lightning bolt. Ooh. There's one excess damage there. Draw and it's taken damage from a giant. Well, that is a spell too. Draw a card. So a little confusing. Uh, hopefully that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm sure there are a lot of wizards out there. Pingers as well might be a way to, you know, 
I guess like could you ping something that's already received lethal damage if you do it in reaction and that's excess damage no like, it's already dead I think it would have to be indestructible but that's still I don't know exactly how that works that's a really good question yeah. uh, we'll, we'll have to ask a judge on that anyway in, yeah you called this splash damage when we talked about it mm-hmm. or uh it's basically trample but for direct damage spells or effects or creatures or whatever it what have you kind of yeah it doesn't actually trample over but you just get an additional effect here which is right. dry card so all the same cards that we talked about for what was that Taroth. yeah yeah still work so blasphemous act chain reaction chandra's ignition starve extinction earthquake there's a ton of them in red that deal a lot of damage to each creature and if agar's out when you do that then all the creatures that you're dealing excess damage to Blasphemous Act will probably do all the creatures. Oh. You'll draw a card for each of them. What uh, if Agar dies? Only, only the ones your opponents control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Agar will still see him if he's dying at the time when all the damage was dealt. Uh, yeah, he, you will want to protect Agar, though. Yeah, I like the, what you wrote here for this. Yeah, the great thing is that red is going to be the way you're probably dealing excess damage. Mm-hmm. And so you can give Agar protection from red with, like, Sword of Fire and Ice. Or you could give him Indestructible or something. Right. So that he doesn't die from these Chain Reaction, Blasphemous Act effects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then if you just, you know, have a bunch of ways to protect Agar and a bunch of ways to do the Blasphemous Act thing, then you're going to draw a lot of cards. Yeah, and obviously you do want to play this with Toroff, uh, mm. which is a trample, two red-red, whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess non-combat damage, so this ties into this, uh, then Toroff deals damage equal to the excess to any target other than that permanent. So it's kind of like a combo here. You want to have Toroff in the Agar deck, but the Agar deck could also be like Giant Tribal or just Spells Tribal. I think it's probably where you want to go. Yeah, and Toroff notably is not a giant or wizard. Right. So he'll still work, though, if the spell already hit that creature that turn and he's sort of dealing the rest of the damage to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because Agar's worded in that weird way where, you know, when the excess damage is dealt, you ask the question, has right. that creature taken damage from a giant wizard or spell? And then turn? you react, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Niv-Mizzet, Perun, or Firemind can both be good. Perun uh, is a wizard. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. And when you draw a card that deals one damage to any target, whenever so, a player casts an instant or spell sorcery, you also draw a card. Yeah, so here's that same question you asked Jimmy, and I don't actually know the answer to it, because if you gave one of their creatures indestructible, could you go infinite with Niv-Mizzet Perun by, like, dealing the one damage? Is If it should have died already this turn, like it's got four toughness but five damage marked on it, does the one damage you're doing to it count as excess damage? I would think so, because lethal damage is... It's not whether or not it will die. It's whether I think it's based on its toughness. Look at us not knowing the answer. This one's tough. I mean, yeah, I think our rules knowledge has gotten way better over the years. But we still obviously don't know everything. That's probably something we need to ask a judge. Or yeah, yeah. If you yeah. know in the comments or something of this video, please put it in there. But it's an interesting question to ask. So I'm not sure if that works, but um, maybe it's it kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you just want to be able to do as much damage as possible then to make sure you're always splashing over. So Torbran is a mm. thing of red fell. Fire Emancipation, Dictate of the Twin Gods. These are all damage doublers and triplers. Yeah, and, that would make Nymphism Prune work for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because then you're de- like it does three damage every yeah. ping. Wow. Torbrand with Niv-Mizzet is insane. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you draw the card and it goes, oh, yeah, three to damage that. Yeah, now. three to damage that. Kill the whole <laughs> thing. Draw a bunch of cards. I win. Nah, not yet. Uh, I, it's just good with burn in general, though, right? Like Lightning Bolt and Fireball just seem real good with this. Yeah, the kind of cantrip is the big thing, and you get so it's a removal spell that gets you a drawback into your hand. And that's really the big thing about those cards, because we're always saying, well, Lightning Bolt is really efficient, but is it worth a card? Yeah. Well, if it says draw a card on it for still the one mana, it's it's like really good. 
Yeah, I mean, like you don't, you could even cycle it and get rid of like a pesky tutu that maybe isn't the top priority, and that's sort of why damage spells like lightning bolt aren't that great either, is because you can't get rid of sometimes they're like eight eight or whatever. But it's great if it draws you a card with the uh, agar out, and then you can just sort of knock things apart. I tell you what, I've been playing lightning bolt a lot in red decks recently, just because oh. they've come out with so many commanders that you can just take out with them, like the Telvalas of the world and yeah, things like that, yeah, where you're yeah. just like three is a good number. One mana, kill a commander, Timnas and things like that is just like. It's worth it. You know, Thrasios and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally worth it. I like this line you put here, which is similar to Roth. Do you want to be giving creatures to your opponents so that you can use them for splash damage? Right. That's a question, right? In Toroth, we said, oh, hey, Varchild or Forbidden Orchard, Hunted Dragon, Varchild's War Riders is an interesting one because it has cumulative upkeep of give your opponents yeah. <laughs> tokens. So is that another strategy here that this deck wants? Because you could run into a situation where you have Blasphemous Act, but there's only three creatures out and that's not that great yeah you know and so you if you were spending the early parts of the game giving everybody creatures that blasphemous act looks a lot better because now it draws you 10 yeah and you can do like forbidden orchard to just give a bunch of people stuff the hunted series as well that's actually pretty interesting i think that's kind of maybe where you want to go with this could be a fun way to go yeah uh anyway interesting card i think it 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 incentivizes some interesting builds and just the fact that maybe makes a burn deck a little more possible, I like. Yeah, and you can play an alliances card in this deck with uh, <laughs> that... Uh, Bar Charles War Riders, Riders. Yeah. yeah. Cumulative upkeep. Woohoo! All right, the next one is... Oh, man. Furia? Sure. Judge of Valor? Two. It's going to judge you if you're wrong, though. It totally judged me <laughs> and, and found me lacking in my pronunciation. <laughs> two white, black, black. So five, five mana, mana for a two far... Two four... Too far. Two Fira. Five mana for a two four angel cleric with flying and lifelink. Okay. Five mana, two four. Okay. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Hmm. So it's a Orzhov card that cares about you casting two spells per turn. It's each turn too. So right. if I cast two on my turn, then two on Jimmy's turn, I'll get to do that on both of them, both turns. Yeah, this seems not great. It's a five mana card that then then you can start going off of it, and it's not in blue or red, which is the colors typically associated with casting more than like one a spell a turn. Spells, a lot yeah. of cheap spells, cantrips, all that stuff. So I think like the only interesting part about that effect is that it mills stuff into your graveyard, um, and you can kind of choose what goes in there. So if I don't know, I, I'm not in love with this card. No, I think you probably want to play Flashback. There's a surprising amount in white and black mm -hmm. uh, just to give you access to the cards that are also going into your graveyard that you're not choosing. Right. Uh, so you can play... And also just being able to cast a spell twice makes it more likely you're going to be able to cast two spells in a turn. Mm -hmm. But Flashback spells are often expensive especially on the flashback side yeah hard to cast two in the same turn so maybe you want like retrace is another thing that allows you to cast spells out of your graveyard if you discard a land uh but also like rebound might be a way to go because huh. that's in in white for sure and it when you cast a rebound spell it casts it again during your upkeep so that's one spell you've cast already this turn it makes it a lot easier to cast two spells in a turn yeah but to just draw one card off it i mean Maybe. Rebound's already a little bit of card advantage, so getting that, I don't know. Yogmoth's yeah. will lets you play stuff out of your graveyard. Yeah. Catalyst Stone is a card that loves uh, flashback. It's a two-mana artifact. Flashback costs you pay, costs up to two less, and then your opponent's flashback cost costs up to two more, which probably isn't going to be relevant. Maybe just White Weenie, you know, like small creatures. Generally, the downside of playing out a bunch of small creatures is somebody answers them and you've run out of gas. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it's like, I play two one-drops, draw a card, and then the next turn I play two one-drops, draw a card. And that's pretty, like, Fast start in commander. It could be scary. You do some damage. But you have to get a five-mana commander out to even do that. Oh, that's a really good point. You just can't... Mm. 
I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did like rewrite. You wrote, compare this to Nimrus. Oh, yeah. Read uh, Nimrus because it's going to make us be like, what? Yeah. Why do we even care about this card? Nimrus Unistrixer is three blue black for a legendary creature, Fairy Knight. One six with flash and flying. Whenever you cast your first spell during each opponent's turn, look at the top two cards of your library. Put one into your hand and one into the graveyard. So the first spell on each opponent's turn in blue and black just seems a little bit easier to, to do. It's way better. You only have to cast one spell. You get almost yeah. the same effect and yeah, I don't know. I just, the, when I saw Nimrus, I mean, when I saw this, I thought, don't we have this card? And we <laughs> do. And of course it's in blue, black, and of course it's better because if you re- replace white with blue, what do you get? A better card. Yeah, it's just a better card. Yeah. Sorry, white. All right. Furia's just like, <laughs> I just wanted to be a judge. <laughs> like, yeah, if Furia was one white, black, and you just made her like a one, three with flying and no lifelink. Yeah. All of a sudden, I think it gets a lot better because now I can start getting that value earlier. But the mm-hmm. fact that it's five mana, and like you said, I can't start doing the thing until so much later yeah. makes it a lot worse. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't seem great. All right. The next one is Harold, King of Skemfar. It's one black green for a 3-2 elf warrior with Menace. Yay. With Menace. It says, when Harold enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal an elf, warrior, or Tyvar card from among them and put it onto your into your hands. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Tyvar is one of the planeswalkers right, from right, Kaldheim. Right. Uh, we won't talk about him now, but obviously... If you happen to have Tyvard in your five, for, in your top uh, five, it's going to feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah, this is seems scream standard to me. I don't know. This does not seem terribly exciting. Maybe you put it into your elf deck to draw more, but it also needs to be black green. Are there that many warrior decks that are like that either? Does it go into like Najila or some warrior deck? I'm I don't think it's probably. Good yeah, enough. I don't think so. Either. I mean, I just wrote down how much better is this than Elvish Visionary? Because <laughs> Elvish Visionary is two mana, draws you a <laughs> That's card. That's right. Yeah, I think Elvish Visionary is. Kind of just better, actually, because you could draw a land off it if you need a land, and it's two mana, not it's three. Two mana, not three. I mean, yeah. obviously, there's a three-two with Menace, but in Commander, that's just not that great. Let me guess. It's uncommon? Yeah, it's uncommon. Yeah. We don't have to uncommon. talk about it that long. I mean, maybe you could do some stuff with, like, Kaya's Ghost Form or those black cards that say when it dies, it comes back to the battlefield yeah. to get some extra value. But all those cost you a card to do that, and then, yeah, you get the card back if you have an Elf or a Warrior or a Tyvar in the top five, but mm-hmm. you could whiff. Yeah, I don't Seems know. like you're you're putting it in the 99 somewhere. Maybe it gets you a little extra value. Yeah. If you have a bunch of Tyvar-type cards running around, then great. <laughs> or if you just have the one, I guess. <laughs> All right, the next one is Rakdos. It's Cardor Doomskur- Doomscourge. Two black-red, so four mana for a 4-3 Demon Berserker. When Cardor enters the battlefield, until your next turn, creatures your opponents control attack each combat if able and attack a player other than you, if able. So hey. it goads all your opponent's creatures. I don't know why it doesn't say goad. I guess they don't want goad in standard. Yeah, I don't think they wanted to put the mechanic in there. Yeah. This is basically like Disrupt Decorum, right? It's yeah. too red-red to goad all creatures you don't control, which is disrupt the same decorum exact Decorum in your command zone. I love that already. Yeah. I, I think this is kind of a fun card. I think like you play this in the Judith, the Scourge Diva build because it's already pinging people for yeah. damage. Oh, oh, wait, hold on. I oh, didn't, you didn't finish the card. Yeah, yeah, I didn't finish the card. <gasps> so sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, so the top part is it goads all your opponent's creatures, but also it says whenever an attacking creature dies, an attacking creature, this yeah. could be your opponent's. Anyone on the, yeah. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So they've got to attack with all their stuff and attack not you. And probably in that scrum, some stuff's going to die and they're all going to take damage when that stuff dies. And then also just Comet regular damage, attacking and yeah. stuff that you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Judith the Scourge Diva, again, this is something that uh, whenever a non-token creature you control dies, it does one damage to any target, but it's all about aristocracy type stuff. And if everyone's just swinging out and, and dying and getting pinged, seems pretty fun. Mm-hmm. 
I think this is cool. I, this uh, control the combat step is something we've been talking about as a deck archetype that's yeah, kind of been growing. didn't exist five years ago, and they keep adding more and more pieces, which I like. And this is probably another piece in those decks. I really like Disrupt Decorum. I think it's an underrated card. So being able to have that in your command zone seems cool. It doesn't do anything against decks that don't have creatures. And yeah. a lot of the most powerful decks don't have or play a lot of creatures. So that's I guess always... the other players are just going to swing at them then, right? I guess so. This, <laughs> this is always the downside of those cards, or, or these types of cards and builds, is that it's yeah. not good against some of the most powerful decks. But that's okay, because in a lot of metas, sixes and sevens are what everybody's playing, and those have a lot of creatures. Yeah, and uh, you can play Trumpet Blast in this deck, too, because it makes all attacking creatures get plus two, plus one. Oh, until you can pump turn. your opponent's stuff. Yeah, you just have them all swing out, and you'll be like, Trumpet Blast, and everyone's like, oh, repeat reverberation, oh, everyone <laughs> dies. Uh, Thantis the Warweaver is another deck you could put this in, because that's all, again, about making your opponents attack. It's hard to double this up in black and red. You can't really, like, make copies that easily. Mm. So you got Helm of the Host, Splinter Twin, that's you do it every turn. Oh, that's actually cool. Splinter Twin, and then just on your turn, make a copy of Cardor. Yeah, and you just and get go to everybody copy again. Because the, yeah. they'll both, it'll enter the battlefield, and then the Legend Rule will make you kill one. But that's okay. You got the goat effect. That's all you wanted, right? That's just like a free Disrupt Decorum. I think that's pretty useful. Yeah. and they can You use... can also do that at instant speed with Splinter Twin, which is right. useful because one of the things about goat or the way this is worded is it won't see creatures that aren't on the battlefield when you cast it. Oh. Oh, right, right, right. So if they played a creature with haste or something, you could go, okay, Splinter Twin, and it'll see that creature now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, and then you, I guess other ways to double it up, Flame Rush Rider and Flame Shallow Conjuring. You have Black, so you could reanimate this every Graveyard. Um, Helm of the Host. Yeah, Helm of the Host. I thought Goblin Tunneler, which is like a card that makes people not be able to block. Target creature power 2 or less can't be blocked this turn. Oh. Um, or Subira, which has some like another target creature power 2 or less can't be blocked. So you could like actually mess with combat a little bit more. Um, and same with Grenzo Havoc Razor, which That's goads stuff. And then Xurzoth Chaos Rider, which actually would go well with um, the deck that wants to give creatures creatures like Agar. Because this is a, the, a new card from Jumpstart. It's two and a red for a 2-3. Whenever an opponent draws their first card each turn, if it's not their turn, you create a 1-1 one, one red devil creature. That when it dies, oh, yeah. it deals I mean, the damage. And then when one over one or more devils you control attacks a player, you and those players each draw a card, then discard a card at random. So you're just making lots of tokens. It's funny. All the Jumpstart cards, I'm like, wait, what does that do again? Because I just haven't seen I just I haven't seen them yet yeah. either. All right. I like Cardor. Seems pretty cool. Yeah. It's a fun one. All right. The next one is Boros. Pretty combo-tastic, actually. It's Cole, the Forge Master. Red and a white. So two mana for a 2-2 Dwarf Warrior. Okay. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, if it was enchanted or equipped, return it to its owner's hand. It also says creature tokens you control that are enchanted or equipped get plus one, plus one. Interesting dichotomy between the two abilities because they don't interact very well, right? If a non-token creature you control dies, it returns to your owner's hand if it was mm -hmm. enchanted or equipped. But then it says, oh, if you have tokens and they're enchanted or equipped, they get bigger. So I don't think you want to do both those things in the same deck because... Right, because your tokens, getting them bigger is good. But, but then, then they don't return to your hand. So I don't know if you want to make a lot of tokens in the deck or you yeah. want to play into the token anthem thing and not have a lot of non-token creatures. I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the combos because this is one of the more combo-tastic of all the commanders. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's in red, and white. red, white. But we know, I think, through aristocrat style builds that anything that's going to return a creature when it dies to your hand, that is abusable. power, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So the best card in the deck is probably Skull Clamp. Unless you're putting it on a creature that's a token, because then it won't die. Good. <laughs> to Skull Clamp. Which is interesting, because it's usually Skull Clamp is very good with tokens. Yeah. But in this one, you want, a, I think this deck wants a ton of creatures that can be cast for zero mana. Oh, because then you can just cast it again, right? Right, because you're going to get it back to your hand, and you want to be able to just put it back out. So Ornithopters right. and Kobolds, and there's a, you know, Rog Rock and all that stuff. There's a ton of zero, Memnite. There's a bunch yep. of creatures that um, cost zero. And then... 
if you put skull clamp on that, it dies. It was equipped when it died. Goes to your, goes hand, to your hand and you, you play it again cards. for free. So now it's one mana, draw two cards as many times as you feel like. Yeah, because you always have that creature to put it on. Right. And then if you can add in a free equipper like Pure Steel Paladin or something that says, you know, you can equip so things for aid, free. Yeah, all that stuff. Now you've got infinite free a creature entering and leaving the battlefield. And we know that you can just... You can quote unquote monetize that, right? You can weaponize that. You can gobble them. You can run some ads on it. Yeah. Maybe put a brand deal behind it. <laughs> Once you have that engine going, <laughs> you can gobble bombardment. You can alter of the brood, dementia, all yep, out, alter, Phyrexian alter. Mana. Yep, yep. You can oh, whatever. Man. There's a million ways that you could turn that into a win. Impact tremors, perforos. Those will all win you the game once you have Holy a creature. Holy moly. I didn't realize this is such a combo-tastic card. Yeah, there's and a ton of stuff going on. Sigh of the Shinobi is another equipment that auto-equips when you're in. Yeah, Sigar is eight. Lightning Greaves is a zero-equip cost, so you, oh, yeah. you just have that sack outlet and Rog Rock or whatever. You just equip it, sack it, equip it, sack it, and zero-equip. Um, is this the best red-white commander ever made because it's, it can go infinite so easily? I don't know. I mean, I, I think one of the other things about this is that you're in the colors that white, ironically, is the best tutor color for our artifacts, right? Oh, yeah. And equipment. So, Steel Shaper's Gift, Enlightened Tutor, those oh, kind of things. Yeah. If you have a really good chance Open to the build, armory, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to find the pieces for the combo that you need. Um, and the win conditions, there are a lot of them. It's not just one. So, you can have, uh, like I said, all the altars, but there's Tech also... Tremors, yeah. Yeah, there's also like Blasting Station and stuff like that. So, oh. and all that, like Idealic Tutor will find Perforos or Impact Tremors. So, you can find, you know, uh, Goblin Bombardment. You, Enlightened Tutor will find any of that stuff and the artifacts. So yeah, I actually think that the This ability, has all the makings of a CDH deck. I don't know if it'll be CDH because I don't know about the resiliency and things like that and I'm oh, not right. a CDH Cameras player. Maybe it will. Stuff. But it's a two drop that combos pretty easily. So the combos are... You need like three or four cards that doesn't tend to be CDH level. But I think... Yeah. I think that style of deck will be very powerful. The problem is if it's not powerful enough for CDH but it's a combo commander then where are you going to play it? Because at seven and eight... It might be a seven or an eight, mm -hmm. but the, but the variance will be high. It'll feel really bad because some games you'll combo off early and everybody will go that. Well, that deck's way too powerful. And then some games it won't find the combo and it won't do anything. And then everybody will go that deck sucks. Yeah, what it you averages this? out to a seven point five or an eight, but it doesn't feel like that. That in either case, it feels like a four sometimes and a ten sometimes. You know. Yeah, and after maybe playing it five or six times, you kind of just know how it works. Yeah, and you kind of lose interest. I feel like on that level too. Maybe it could be cool in playgroups that are fine with that kind of thing. And I think ours is one of those. Yeah. Where, like, yeah, yeah. we'd be like, oh, cool, you combo it off, great. I don't think anybody would really groan if you combo off in that way. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah. got a zero casting cox creature, a skull clamp, a pure steel paladin, and a goblin bombardment out. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Sweet, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not mad works. about it. Like, yeah, I should have yeah. been able to stop that. <laughs> yeah, I saw five pieces. I saw it five pieces ago. I should have been doing something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were monetizing too hard. <laughs> but still, I do think there is power there because there are a lot of uh, redundancy for a lot of the pieces. So yeah. it's pretty cool. I'm down with it. All right, the next one is... It's just something new for Red White. We're all like, ooh. <laughs> At least it's not like... It is equipment-based and aura-based, which the first thing you said, you know, you would think is like, uh, uh again. Yeah. But it's doing in more interesting stuff that's at least a little different. Yeah, you can combo off with, yeah. All right, this next card is a house. It's Coma, Cosmos Serpent. This oh, yeah. is the commander that Jacob Bertrand, who plays Hawk on Cobra Kai, we spoiled last episode or a couple episodes ago that uh, he's going to be on Game Nights. Yes. This is the commander that he's playing. This is definitely a Hawk commander, even though it's not the colors of his mohawk. Yeah. It's, it's definitely oppressive and kind of a bully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coma, Cosmos Serpent, is three green, green, blue, blue. So seven mana hmm. for a 6-6 six, six Serpent. Legendary, of course. It says, this spell can't be countered. 
Okay. That's good, because if you're going to spend seven mana on your commander, you definitely don't want him to be like a counterspell. <laughs> it says, at the beginning of each upkeep, each upkeep. Oh, no. Create a 3-3 blue serpent creature token named Coma's Coil. Oh, no. So, on if you're playing in four players, one rotation table, you will get four 3-3s. One on each player's upkeep. Yep. And Not, three of them will have haste, and the fourth one that gets made on your turn doesn't. But that's, uh, I mean, virtual haste, because they'll come back to you. Yeah, it's Dragon Broodmother kind of at this point, but it can't be countered. It costs a little bit more mana, but makes three threes. But it's, we're not done. And this is the thing that sort of pushes it over into like, oh, this card's very good. Yeah. It says, sacrifice another serpent, and then choose one. Either tap target permanent. Its activated abilities can't be activated this turn. Ooh. Target permanent. So you can tap their land on their upkeep. And they can't tap it for mana the rest of the turn. They can try and float the mana right there, but it's their upkeep. Yeah, this is Planeswalkers too, right? Uh, yes, you can tap a Planeswalker and they can't activate their Demand. loyalty. So on their upkeep, you can just turn off a Planeswalker. Also, we've seen, we've played against this deck a few times. We've seen that, you know, it just tends to, there's a lot of abilities floating around just randomly. And you're like, crap, don't tap that. Dang it. And yeah, it's, don't stop it. Oh, no. Yeah, Lithoform Engine or something on your upkeep. They just turn it off, right? Yeah. Uh, and then it also, so, so that's one of the things you can sap a, sack a serpent and do that, or you can sack a serpent and coma gains indestructible until end of turn. And that really puts it into another level now oh my because gosh. it protects itself. Yeah. It's, it's the ultimate. Cause now you spent seven mana on a commander, but then you pass the turn, you make a token during their upkeep. And now it's pretty well protected. Obviously mm-hmm. it can be exiled, can be bounced, but there are, are way less ways to kill it. A board wipe doesn't solve your problem. If you often want a board wipe because they have a ton of serpents and stuff. Yep. But it doesn't get rid of coma, which Activated is Activated your... abilities don't do it either. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So coma is pretty strong. Um, this is a card I like to say it's all the entire engine is on the card. Right. Yeah. This card, if it's just left to its own devices, will take over and win the game. Very like a snake, right? It's just going to slowly, <laughs> incrementally squeeze the game and win. It'll just, over time, it'll be able to handle anything. It won't die, and it'll create enough value on its own that it's just very hard to overcome. So much value, though. Every single upkeep. That's Think of the power. That's 12 power and toughness as well. That's, jeez. Yeah, it's just going to take over the game if you left to its own devices. Now, you can do some stuff to help it out. So you can try and make more tokens. So obviously, doubling season, parallel lives, very good. Because not only are you getting double the power, you're also getting double the activations on Coma, which just, once Coma's got like four serpents, it's very oppressive. Because you can't kill it. It's going to get indestructible, and it can get indestructible. You have to exile it, otherwise, yeah. yeah. You can't even attack into it, because it will just tap your stuff down. Yeah. Normally, a deck like this, you'd be like, okay, i got to fly over the top of it. Kill the player, not the creature, yeah. Because all that stuff's on the ground, right? All the snakes and whatever. But Coma's got protection from flying, because it just says, oh, you got a big flyer? Tap it down before combat. That's why I didn't think about, right? I'm like, oh, what are all the activated abilities that can stop? It's like, no, it can just tap down stuff, and that can be more than enough to stop you from killing a player. Yeah, you're a Voltron commander, and you're hoping to swing in there with commander damage? No, no, you're not. I'm going to tap it down before combat. It's just a very powerful thing to be able to do. Um, Whelming Wave, very good in this deck because they're all oh, serpents. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Whelming Wave is two blue-blue. Return all creatures to their owner's hands except for Krakens, Leviathans, Octopuses, and Serpents. Comos is, Coma is literally Cosmos Serpent. Yeah, so and he makes serpents. Get wrecked. Um, this card's really good with counterspells. I think because it yeah. is so powerful on its own, you stick it. And if you have Fierce Guardianship or, oh. or you know Swan Song or something in hand to protect it for that one rotation. And now if you just sat there and said, okay, I'm just going to make sure my Coma doesn't die and you guys don't do anything nuts, 
and I'll just win with serpents after three turns or so. Yeah, ramp out to this, just hold up counter spell, and just get serpents after serpents after serpents. The serpents will win you the game eventually because yeah. you're gonna crater hoof or whatever. Yeah, or you'll play a doubling season and double them up. You'll just, but yeah, I mean, I think this is just an insanely powerful card. What colors was it again? Yeah, Simic. It's interesting because everybody was like, "Oh, a Simic card that doesn't like draw you cards or put lands into play," and it's they're like, still nuts. "Yeah, but it does everything else. You can't yeah. even counter the thing." They're like, we didn't fill in this part of the Simic value pile. We got to do that first before we really get to everything else. Like, why can't they just give white? A, like, white's is like a chroma vision of Ixidor. It's yeah. like, it's not even, it's like, come on. That's not, or look at coma. <laughs> look at coma. It does everything. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. Jacob did not build his deck in this way, but there is a very mean version of coma. I think that yeah. stacks. Because think of how good coma is with stacks. If you just stick coma and then winter orb, static orb, stasis, anything like that and no one can do anything even if you can't you're mm-hmm. making 12 power worth of stuff every turn plus you can tap their stuff down right which is not going to untap so you could just keep the game on lock and just slowly wait till you have enough serpents and win that way um it's definitely how you make a lot of friends yeah i, I mean we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it but i think a lot of play groups are not going to love that no <laughs> definitely not coma pretty good put you in a coma big time yeah all right the next card is Maya? Maha? Ma- Baha Blast? Maya, it has to be Maya. Maya Bredegard Protector. I'm really sorry. I'm, I, I mangled that, I'm sure. All right. Two green, white, white. So five mana for a two, three. Okay. Human warrior. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, create a one, one white human warrior creature token. So oh, okay. landfall, create a one, one, but it's actually a two, two because it has the anthem effect to give plus one, plus one to your other creatures. Okay. So Selesnia tokens is something we've seen plenty of times before. Green and white loves making tokens. They can populate and they can do all that stuff. But now we have landfall on top. Yeah. So this is just created two archetypes that already exist and sort of slamming them together and saying, hey, landfall we know <laughs> exists. Tokens exist. You know, Welcome to call time. There you go. So <laughs> this deck probably plays that um, package we talked about for Boros with the Fetchlands Crucible of Worlds brought mm-hmm. back Savine's Reclamation, Sunrise. Second Sunrise. Yeah, There's actually yeah, a new yeah. one of those in this set. Yeah. Uh, it's a foretell card. It's called Cosmic Invention. Cosmic Intervention. Oh, Intervention. Yeah, yeah. The art is really sweet too. It's three and a white for an instant. If a permanent you control will be put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn, exile it instead. Return to the battlefield under its owner's control at the being of the next end step. And then the foretell cost is one in the white. So during your turn, you can pay two and then you turn this card upside down and it's like ready to be cast at any time for one in the blue. So you can sort of split up the one mana cost. Yeah, one in the white. But it's foretell for two. Colorless, right. yeah. Or generic, sorry. Yeah, so you pay two and then later you pay only two. And that means that you you can pay only two rather than three for second sunrise. Four. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To make it so anything that's going to go to the graveyard comes back, basically. And yeah, that works. any permanence. Wow. Yeah, it works with fetch lands, right? You save up a couple of fetch lands, do mm-hmm. that, two mana, get them back. It also works ramp with... That way. Uh, Land destruction. Yeah, it's true. Like it works mass, with Armageddon and stuff. land destruction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think this package goes in Maya and it, you know, you're obviously going to do the, the fetch land, the extra lands and play thing to make a lot of tokens. And then you just do the token side of the normal strategy, which is Parallel Lives, Annoying Procession. Catherine's Divine, Divine Visitation. Yep. All that stuff we always talk about. And you probably win with Crater Hoof, Beastmaster, Ascension, Triumph of the Horde, some finisher type, maybe Akroma's Will, that's a new oh, one. Oh, the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like how people get excited about, oh, that's a new one. I'm going to put that in instead of Beastmaster Ascension. Sure, but it's feeling that same role, right? You're going to have certain roles that are going to be there, and the pump all my stuff, which I have a lot of it, is just a role that needs to be filled. And whether you want to do it with card A or card C, whatever. Yeah. Okay. 
Yep, I mean, I think these kinds of decks, landfall token, token decks in general, there are so many of them now that the sort of the lanes to play them are pretty well defined. You can always do other directions. Be creative if you want. Maybe warrior tribal or something because it yep. does make warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be fun. All right, Jimmy, how would you pronounce this next one? <sighs> Morit? Morite? I would say Morit. But it's got so many T's and E's at the end, so you, maybe you want to say Morite. Like, why, would, why is the last T and E there if they make no sound? <laughs> Morit. Oh, maybe it's Morit. Morit. Okay, it's Morit. Wait, the... how do you pronounce Umazawa's Jitty? Jite? Jite. But Mor- that's like... Japanese? Scandinavian, Scandinavian? I have no idea. I don't even know if Jite is... I think Jite is an English word. I, don't even I have know. no idea. Whatever. Morite of the Frost. Morit. 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 Moriti? Morite. Whatever. Of the Frost. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Two green, blue, blue. It's M-O-R-I-T-T-E. Okay? Okay, yeah. Just so everybody out it's there... It's a Morite. Like, well, it's obviously this. T- it's... <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> we're just losing our minds now okay we're almost <laughs> to the end we can make it okay we got this all right two green blue blue so five mana for a zero zero shapeshifter mm-hmm. has changeling so it has all creature types oh. it says you may have morit enter the battlefield as a copy of a permanent you control except it's a legendary and snow in addition to its other types and if it's a creature it enters uh, with two additional plus one, plus one counters on it and has changeling. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you can copy anything that you control with gets a little bigger and it still has changeling. It, only if it's a creature. Only if it's you, a creature. Yep. Otherwise, you can just copy permanence? Yep, you can make it into, you know, your Gilded Lotus or whatever. Okay. But if you make it into a creature, it gets plus, it gets two plus one, plus one counters and has changeling. And, and legendary, it's always legendary and, and snow. snow yeah. permanent. Okay. So there's a bunch of cards that sort of say if it shares a creature type with blah 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 then do this mm-hmm. and that's kind of, this is a kind of a way to kind of i'm gonna say break but like mildly bend this because there's not a lot of these effects that are broken right so the first one that's pretty good is descendants path yes this one is two in a green for an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep reveal the top card of your library you may cast it without paying its mana cost if it's a creature type that shares a creature type with a creature you control, you got a changeling on the battlefield. They all share that creature type. Exactly. And um, that's kind of what all these are going to do. Yeah. So like alpha status. Yeah, it gets plus two, plus two, and enchantment aura for each other creature on the battlefield that shares a creature type with it. So it counts your opponent's creatures too. Oh, cool, cool. Because changeling has all of the creatures. Yeah, so heirloom blade does the same thing when the creature dies as an equipment. Then you reveal cards and you basically do the descendant's path thing, but you don't cast it. You just put it into your hand. Yep, but still, you're going to get a creature back, whatever the next creature is in your mm-hmm. deck. Um, anything with kinship, because kinship is oh. an ability that cares about shares a creature type. Um, if you remember the holiday episode of Game Nights, the leaf-crowned uh, leaf elder. elder that yeah. Lady plays. Which has kinship at the beginning of your upkeep. You may look at the top card of your library. If it shares a creature type with leaf-crowned elder, which it will when you use Marit, Marit, Morit to copy it and make it a changeling, right? I gotta say all four names every time. <laughs> every time, yeah. <laughs> that way, uh, our editors will be able to go in and choose the right one on the yeah, day of. Sure, yeah, sure. They're just gonna yeah. choose all they're, of they're them. They're gonna love that. They're gonna be like, "That's a good idea, Jimmy." Um, it does get the two plus one plus one counters, which actually might be the more powerful part of this whole thing, <laughs> which is crazy, because it's kind of a bad clone in that it's five mana, two colors. Um, it does yeah. do any permanent, but clever impersonator does that. Four mana is typically where clones lie, just so you all know. So get. But getting two plus one plus one counters means if you can copy a persist card and a sack outlet, you'll all, you'll just go infinite because it'll, oh, because it comes back. Yeah, it has the persist when it dies. It comes back and it adds the two plus one plus one counters. Oh, because you copy then the same persist card. Yeah. So Glenelendra Archmage, 
Woodfall Primus. Groan. Groan. Because that's counter everything forever. Woodfall Primus. Groan. Because that's destroy everybody's everything that's not a creature. Not creature permanence, yeah. Yeah. So that's maybe a thing, the persist thing, I guess. There's not a ton of them in green and blue, but, you know, you put them in and then you do the thing, I guess. Yeah. And if you have cards that care about snow, then you want to, maybe that's a, a direction you could go as well. Yeah. Spoiler alert, I did not put it in my Jorn God of Winter Aww. deck, so... It's because Jorn's already the God of Winter. He doesn't need it. You don't need no Moriti. Moriti. All right, let's move on. We got four Moritis cards before we got to get out of here. Four Moriti Yeah, we're getting close, getting close. All right, we're getting delirious over here. Yeah. The next one is Narfi, Betrayer King. Sorry, that name is funny. I think this there's a character named Narfi in like Skyrim or something that people were saying. Oh, cool. But it's not it has anything to do with this card. In yeah, fact, this this, this looks like the Night King. It's the White Walker. Dude. Yeah. All right. Narfi Betrayer King. Three blue black. Five mana. For a four three zombie wizard. It's a legendary snow creature. Okay. Other snow and zombie creatures you control get plus one plus one. So snow anthem, zombie anthem. Hmm. And then it says you can you can pay three snow mana and return Narfi from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Okay. That's actually nice. Wait, three snow mana, get them back? You can just hack. Zombie decks are always sacking and stuff. I think you can safely assume that a deck with Narfi in it is going to have mostly snow permanents. I mean, sorry, snow lands. Snow lands, yeah. Maybe yeah. not all, but mostly. So that really just kind of reads three mana. Three mana past it, yeah. Love yeah, it. the first thing I thought of was, well, if you create infinite mana, mm-hmm. then you can sack and recur Narfi forever. Okay. Now, infinite snow mana is a little bit harder to do because like... Astronauts Altar, Phyrexian Altered. They oh, they make, make regular mana. Regular mana. Unless you could turn them into snow permanents, then I think they make snow mana, which there are a few cards that do that. Um, but Commander's Quarters, Mitch at Commander's Quarters had an interesting combo he talked about with this card, which is you use Intruder Alarm. Which is a creature's don't untap during the creature's untap step, but whenever a creature enters the battlefield, untap all creatures. And then you use Cormus Bell. For mana artifact, all swamps are 1-1 black creatures that are still lands. So you turn your snow-covered swamps into creatures, and you have intruder alarm out. So now you sack Narfi, pay the three snow mana, and then taps all your lands. Oh, because they're all creatures now. Yeah, and then you tap them again for mana, and you float all the mana, have infinite mana, have infinite, enter the battlefields, you blood artist or whatever. Yeah. Uh, You also wrote here, if you can create infinite mana in black, then why don't you just win any number of other ways that black can with Torment of Hailfire, Exsanguinate, and yada, yada, yada. Right. So if you could create infinite mana, then, you know... But the Narfi is a key component of creating the infinite mana in that specific combo, because with the Intruder Alarm, you need a creature to enter to untap Uh all the stuff. So, yeah. But, I mean, you can just assault Monolith Rings of Bright Hearth, Torment of Hailfire. Fire. If you want to do, like, create infinite mana win, it's definitely possible in a lot of ways. Yeah. But Narfi does have that combo. Maybe make, like, a Vorthosi White Walker Game of Thrones Season 8 deck. That would be cool. You know? It's probably five color... And you... Um, Narfi yeah. becomes the Night King. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. I mean, Narfi probably goes into zombie decks, right? Because it For sure. Zombies. It's a pump. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. You have to play Snow to really use it, though. I just like the I fact think, but, that you could sack them and then bring them back for cheap. So, if you have ways that... want, If you want to cast your commander a lot in your deck, then this is a great way to do it because you never have to put them back in the command zone, really. Yeah, I think at most decks, it wouldn't cost them a lot to just turn their their land base into snow mana mo- for the most part for permanent. At this point, there's so many, yeah, yeah, they reprinted And then just put Narfi in, and really, Narfi's your only payoff for that, but it allows you to play it. Yeah. All right, three to go. We've got Saurulf, Realm Eater. This is a very large dog. <laughs> this is a large puppy. At least he's eating, yeah. Yeah. Okay, one black green, so three mana for a 3-3 three, three legendary wolf. 
Whenever a permanent an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on Saurulf. So anytime an opponent's permanent is put into a graveyard from the battlefield. Only opponents, though, not yours. Fetch lands count. Fetch lands count. Treasures count. Uh, Saralf gets a plus one, plus one counter. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, if Saralf has one or more plus one, plus one counters on it, you may remove all of them. Hmm. So you can't remove part. You have to remove all the counters or remove none of them. Mm -hmm. But if you do, you exile each other non-land permanent with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of counters removed this way. Okay. Exile. Okay, now we're talking. Please don't play this as your commander because every <laughs> game will last forever. It will never end. <laughs> okay, now we're talking. And what I want to say is don't do don't that. Don't do it. Well, I mean, the thing is, if you take three off, then Saruf gets rid of himself. So No, no, it says boy. each other oh, non-land permanent with converted mana cost less Boys. than or equal to the number of counters this way. Right. So Seraph will just will never get rid of himself. Okay. Yeah, I wrote that wrong. Yeah, the per Pernicious Deed is the closest comparison to this, but that's just destroying artifact creatures and enchantments with CMC X or less. Um, I think you're playing this in the Gave deck for sure because you can just manipulate how many counters go on there. Gave is yep. a five mana commander, so you can always just take off four and just wipe everything else out. And you can. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, your creatures that were going to die anyway, you just put those back onto Saruf afterwards. You know, like by sacking them and making them one one counters again. Yep. You put Tiam down, which also like removes counters and does stuff, brings yeah. things back too. So stuff that you know you has died or whatever. Uh, Nesting Grounds is a land that allows you to sort of move counters. Oh, right, right. So Because you, you might want the counters to be at a specific amount on Saralf because you're, like you said, oh, yeah. I have a five drop. I want it to be four so that that sticks around. And you probably want to have, in general, a little bit higher CMC stuff just because it's going to be easier to sort of um, push mm -hmm. the button on Saralf at lower amounts. And that's going to be when people are less afraid of it, maybe. Because they're going to have to crack fetch lands and treasures and stuff, right? So at a certain yeah. point, like Saralf getting like one or two counters, you're not going to have to do much. They're going to do it for you. Yeah, and it's also, more importantly, it gets rid of so many important things like mana rocks. Like, two mana rocks are so common, and if you get set off to two, and that's really not that hard to do. Maybe you, like, play this in a way where if if you're, like, trying to hold it, like, I want to get this to four, and you, your opponent has to hold up a fetch land, so when they, when they pass the turn and Seraph's trigger goes on the stack, you sack the fetch land, give them another counter, and be like, no, you can't do it. <laughs> but I don't know, it's just a lot. It, it's This, to me, just seems kind of annoying, because you're just wiping the board. You're exiling the board very often. Yeah, I mean, I think it happens on the upkeep, so everyone will see it coming, so mm -hmm. you get a chance. It's not like you can play this and ever have it happen that turn. Now, you could flash it in, but if you flash yeah. it in, it probably doesn't get very many counters, right? So that's not even sort of um, yes, exploitable in that great. way. Mm -hmm. So it is at least like a time bomb that we can see and mm -hmm. maybe do something about. So I think if there's Sarulf decks in your meta, you're going to have to learn to play a lot more interaction because otherwise those games are just not going to be fun. But what's probably yeah. going to happen is your playgroup will learn and then kill this thing often. Um, other cards yeah. I think this deck will probably play is like all the edict effects, especially the instant speed ones, because here's what you want. You want everybody to be looking at Sarulf, no counters on it. I feel good. I'm going to play this. Is anybody going to play a fetch line or anything? Nope, I'm not going to. Right, is anybody going to be cracking treasure or anything? Nope, I'm not going to. Okay, then I feel safe playing a couple things. We're, let's just make an agreement. We're not going to kill each other's stuff until Seraph is dead. <laughs> okay, okay, that sounds good. And now on end step, you go Liliana's Triumph, Triumph. Soul Shatter, Tribute to the Wild, Vonus Hunger, something like that. Uh -huh. And everyone's like, crap, I, everyone has to sacrifice a creature. Everyone has to sacrifice an enchantment. Oh. And then it's boom, on the end All step. And now you go exile everything. And they didn't see it coming because they couldn't see the counters on it. Yep. 
that's I think a play pattern that's going to be real brutal. Yeah, you don't you don't want to have it on board like treasures or or lands that people know you're going to get rid of to to pump those numbers up. This just kind of feels like a headache to me though because you just have to watch the math constantly. How many can you do and from their hand? Are they going to do it? Do they have onboard effects? Are other people going to potentially lose something? What if someone tries to kill a creature on someone's end step? That's going to add something to Seraph too. Yep. Yowza. Yowza, yowza. Uh, I think you probably want to pl- play a bunch of board wipes that you can control the mm-hmm. size of. So Toxic Deluge, Black Sun Zenith, Pestilence. These are all uh, really yeah. good because they allow you to choose the size of the board wipe to not kill Seraph. And remember, Seraph will get bigger over time. So often it's going to be like a 7-7 seven, seven or 8-8. Eight, eight. Yeah. You're like, yeah, Toxic Deluge for 6. Oh kills everything now it's like a 15 15 and you might even just swing with it and not do the exile thing depending on how everything looks because it's me yeah. yeah 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 so uh something uh we wrote down here is if you just go to edh rec and type in grismold the dread sower that's a good way to sort of look at a bunch of cards that seraph might want because grismold kind of wants similar things to kill yeah. uh your opponent's creatures a lot yep yep this is going to be powerful. I, I do agree with you, though. It's going to be a slog. I, I think anytime you see this in somebody's command zone, you're like, okay, this game's going to be tough, and I probably don't want to be playing a creature-heavy deck, and I got to hold my interaction and kill Seraph the first two times it comes out if I can. Yeah, I think at that point, the deck is kind of disabled. Like, you just you turn yeah. it off, right? Like, it's gone at that well, point. Well, if it has a lot of board wipes, like Toxic Illusion and stuff like that, it's still going to be able to stick around, right? And, yeah, and have yeah, all yeah. the land ramp and stuff from green, so I think the deck will still be a pain in the butt because it's going to be like, okay, fine, I can't play my commander, but I can still wipe the board every turn. Yeah. Yeah, black green i've got all the removal in the world yep all right two, okay. b- two to go next one is svela ice shaper one red green for a two four legendary snow creature it's a troll warrior all right two abilities you can pay three and tap svela and create a colorless snow artifact token named icy manolith <laughs> with tap the icy manolith add one man of any color it creates literal manolith manoliths but they are snow manoliths okay i see my manoliths yep and then it also has a second ability which is pay six a red and a green and taps vela and look at the top four cards of your library you may cast a spell from among them without paying its mana cost put it put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order so Yay. once you've created enough manoliths so you're like i don't need mana anymore i'll just start casting something for free off the top four cards of my library that seems good yeah it's this reminds me of eric smethy's because it's all about like make mana make mana make mana and then boom now that it's unlocked or eric smethy's has awoken from their slumber then you can kind of go nuts and do like the golos thing a little bit yep it does cost a lot though eight mana it does it's kind of cool that you can make a manolith every turn but i feel like you got better things to do with your mana yeah i mean the ability to make a manolith is good because it starts to fuel itself Mm -hmm. but it's slow to get going i agree and then the tap part of it keeps it in check pretty well maybe they learn from like thrasios and stuff i hope so yeah yeah because if it was like pay eight colon do the thing i think that's way worse because then you could just find ways to go infinite and then you're casting your whole library now you're just like oh if i have infinite mana i just kind of cast my whole library whereas this is like i need an i need to be able to untap this thing to really go off which is harder which i think puts this in a really nice power level place i don't think it's possible for a svela deck to be a nine or a ten which is great because you can just build it the most optimized it can be and it's probably right in the seven eight range which i like yeah and then you get eldrazi cast triggers if you're trying to go big with that because it says cast not put onto the battlefield which is Mm -hmm. typically what you see with green decks when they cheat stuff out um so like kozilek the or ulamog the ceaseless hunger both are cast and you get the castles for eight mana yeah Yeah, if you know they're there maybe you want some top deck manipulation or you put down worldly tutor type of stuff to guarantee you know what's there yeah um there's 
a card called Scred in an old deck called yep. Scred Red. It's a red instant. Deals damage to target creature equal to the number of snow permanents you control. And you're making icy manoliths. Yeah, it's not as exciting. <laughs> uh, Parallel Lives is still good. You'll make two manoliths. Yay. Uh, I think two mana lists for three mana is actually really good. Yeah, that's you different because you get two of the mana, mana back, back, so it yeah. actually only costs you one mana to make two mana lists, which is starts to become nuts. Stuff like Rhyme Tender, you want, uh, which is an untapper for snow permanence. I think this mm-hmm. deck wants a lot of untappers because not only do you want to untap your lands and use it again, you also want to untap Svela right. so that you can tap Svela multiple times. So Seedborn Muse, Wilderness Reclamation, Curse of Bounty is the curse that allows you to untap stuff. Well, yeah, when you attack that player, yeah. Or when anybody attacks that player, yeah. Instill Energy, Nature's Chosen is a way in green to untap creatures. Uh, oh, thousand, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen this card in forever. Thousand Year Elixir. So you can kind of maybe get to the point where you're making multiple mana lists per turn. And once you're doing that, it's easier to keep doing it because the, yeah, the extra mana list all of a sudden. Itself. Yeah, exactly. So I think it could snowball out of control, but it'll ha- take a little while to get going. Illusionist Bracers is another one that du- doubles up activated uh, abilities. So you uh-huh. can make two mana lists. And then once you have enough mana, you're doubling up the part where you're casting the top four car- or the best card of your top four cards. I like what you wrote at the end. Take advantage of having a bunch of artifacts, these icy mana lists. You play Molder Slug. It's a creature that says at the beginning of each player's upkeep, they sacrifice an artifact. Yeah. That could be backbreaking for a lot of those decks that need their ramp or, you know, and even if they're losing a soul ring or whatever, or yeah. two mana rock. And you're that, like, I'm basically losing three mana. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just creating. You're just making another one. Yeah. yeah, totally. So yeah, I think that's actually, I'm kind of excited about this deck in that it will sit at exactly the right power level. I used to, so I used to play basketball a lot. I, I talk about that on the mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing was, for when I was shooting three-pointers, I knew that if I was like about three inches behind the three-point line, was I was actually a little more accurate than I was if I was at, right at the three-point line. Oh. And that was because at three inches back, I knew I could just throw it as hard as I could. <laughs> Like, it was right. I didn't have to, like... You weren't trying to precision it in, right? This like is just, like, chuck it as hard as I can, and that's the right range from here. Whereas <laughs> if I'm a f- couple... If I'm a half a step forward, I have to actually, like, think about their exact right amount of pressure to throw the ball up at. I see. And so, I like commanders that are kind of like that too where oh i can just build this as powerful as i want it's not gonna break and the most powerful this thing can be doesn't seem like it's ever gonna be a 10 yeah yeah that's a good i like that actually that's cool so they don't have to feel bad about optimizing because it always sucks when you also bring a deck that can be optimized but you're like i under optimized it to make it it's like yeah but the commander's still so strong everyone's just mad and gonna kill it because they're scared of it yeah, they're just scared. Yeah, the, the scary part. Yeah, I don't care sure. what you say about your Urza deck. They're killing it first. Uh, I don't care what you say about your Coma deck, yeah. right? It doesn't matter how little you optimize that sucker. <laughs> All right, the next one is, and it's the last one for today. It's Vega the Watcher. It's a cute little owl. It Wait. looks like the Harry Potter owl. I do love Harry Hagrid? Potter. Hagrid? Hagrid? No, Hagrid's the guy. <laughs> Hedwig. <laughs> Hedwig, yeah, Hedwig. yeah, yeah. It was close. Hagrid, Hagrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a name in the set review, honestly. Who knows? You could I haven't read those books ways. in like 15 years. Uh, yeah. All right. One white blue for a 2-2 bird spirit has flying. Whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, hmm. draw a card. Oh, Okay. Well, first, shout out to Tappy Toe Claws. Hopefully, we'll show an image here. She did a really awesome makeup yeah, look for uh, her reveal of this card. Okay, so there are a bunch of mechanics that work with this, obviously. Flashback, jump start, impulsive draw, uh, foretell, adventures, suspend, escape, retrace, rebound, cascade, madness. And then there are a bunch of cards that do this thing, uh, like Isochron Scepter allows you to cast it. Future Sight allows you to cast stuff top of your library. library. Sunbird's Invocation. Send Triplets out of someone else's hand. That's kind of funny. Chaos Wand. Yep. Also out of somebody's deck. Torrential Gear Hulk and Snapcaster out of your graveyard. Diluvian Primordial out of other opponent's graveyards. Yeah. Tigam, Ojutai Master. That gives rebound to your stuff. Yep. Yep. 
Um, Elsh of the Infinite, cast off the top of your library. Mm-hmm. Sabine, the Chronoclasm, doesn't technically cast stuff out of your graveyard, but cares if you're casting flashback spells, which right. are, yeah. Uh, or cares if you're casting anything out of your graveyard, I think. Like, I was surprised when we made this list how much is on it. Mm-hmm. It seems very clear to me that you're going to be able to put 50 spells in here that you can oh, ca- yeah. that you can cast in some other way than from your hand. And that means most of your stuff is going to cast draw you a card when you cast it. Yeah, and like they're not it's not bad to have a card cast itself more than once like it's actually great you're getting value off of that you're essentially drawing an extra card because you don't need to cast something out of your hand and then you're literally drawing an extra card because vega does that yeah yeah so vega seems like a really good enabler for all the decks we just mentioned the uh elsha og uh, tigam and savin that world of stuff i don't know if it's as great just by itself I think if it's by itself, you're going to have the problem. And you can solve this problem. I just don't know what the solution is. Uh-huh. What is this deck doing, right? Like, because all this, yeah, it's casting stuff from not its hand, but that just draws you cards. Yep. So you need a focal point of what the deck wants to do besides that. Because drawing cards is not a plan for the deck, right? That's Unless, what makes it, that was what makes white blue so hard is because yeah. they, like, what's their win plan? Stacks? Ugh. Yeah, don't do that. So yeah, don't do that. Is it like Thassa's Oracle, Laboratory Maniac? Because you're drawing so many cards. Again, that's not like a win con that most people love anymore because yeah. you've just seen it so much. I'm not. I'm not judging those people if you're playing CDH or whatever. Mm-hmm. But winning in the same way all, all the time is not something a lot of people want to do. So how yeah, do you build yeah. a deck that's doing something? that doesn't feel like it's the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. But what's the, I don't know what the focus of the Vega deck is, if if not that, because it's like, well, you can Isochron Scepter and do all this stuff, and it'll feel cool, but in the end, how are you winning? Maybe it's Chaos Wand, and you're just like, I'm going to use my opponent's cards somehow. Maybe, I don't know if there's enough of that effect, though. Yeah, I think you definitely just want to put this in the 99 somewhere. White Blue is just a really tough space. I, I it still is an think... uncommon one, too. It's not oh, necessarily okay. meant to be like, yeah. the thing. Okay, so that's cool. all 21 of the... Uh, Traditional, regular, non-MDFC commanders from Kaldheim. More ways to say this than Moritz's name, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, we, again, we didn't talk about the two from the mini decks from the pre-cons. Yep. We're going to do those separately when we do the budget upgrade uh, episodes for that. Jimmy, before we go, let's do what we always do here. Um, split these into two categories. We have two awards categories today. <laughs> the first one is most powerful new Com- new traditional commander just of the 21 we talked about today the most powerful this one seems pretty obvious based on just the number of time amount of time it's a it's a mix i think between coma and orva mm-hmm. uh coma i think is naturally a little more powerful because it has access to green but orva lets you add green to your deck basically because you can turn lands into more lands yeah i think orva is going to be is it orvar how is it orvar orvar sorry orvar 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 <laughs> Yeah, I, I would vote for Orvar. I think it's probably the most powerful. There's so many crazy things you can do with it. But I could see it being... Coma's seven mana also mm-hmm. just naturally makes it a little less powerful. It is in green. Yeah, you could ramp up you to that by it. turn three or four if you're you know really going yeah. nuts. Seraph might be in the mix to be able to talk about. Um, Cole, maybe, just because so combo-tastic. If you built the most powerful Cole deck, how fast it could get to the combo, maybe it can beat yeah. you know, these other decks. I think those are probably Yeah, we're like reading power on a lot of different things yeah. now. I don't know. I would say Orvar is, is my... Is my uh, it's definitely the most like shocking of all of them. I was like, whoa! This is so this much is cool stuff. Else. You can do. Yeah, yeah. Which is sad because I don't usually like to pick as my favorite commander what is the most powerful commander or what I think is the most powerful oh, commander. Oh, that's going to be it for you? Yeah, Orvar, I think, is my favorite. I'm, I'm pretty excited. And of all the decks, you know, every time we do this, um, 
exercise and we do it a lot lately where mm-hmm. we're going through and listing out and researching like all the different synergies and combos for every single legendary in the set. There'll yeah. be one or two where I'm like, get excited to the point where I'm like, oh, I might build that deck. Yeah. Orvar's the one for me this time. Okay. I think the one for me has to be Mamon Red Magda, Brazen Outlaw. I mean, I just, I did build it for game nights and I had a blast playing it and I like looked at it and went, went wow, there's actually a lot of different directions you could take this to. So that's going to be my vote for this episode. That is a sweet deck too. When I watched you play it, I was like, damn, for a Mono Red deck, that thing does a lot and it's like a lot of cool stuff and treasures you love yeah. treasures and you're just doing a lot of stuff and and that yeah. that i think is fun i think you know one of the reasons mono red doesn't always call to me is that it feels like it's pretty straightforward but the magna deck has a bunch of different axes and a bunch of different cool stuff you can do so i really like that deck yeah all, all right. right to the listeners what do you think about these new uh, non-mdfc the regular traditional commanders from Kaldheim? which one of the ones that we talked about today are you uh, most excited to build which do you think is the most powerful which do you think is your favorite do you do you agree do you think orvar is uh, the most powerful from these or do you think one of the other ones is going to end up being stronger do you have a better name than traditional non-mdfc commanders because we'd love to know regular that. commanders man that just seems like uh, we're insulting seems so them. bad yeah. yeah these are the simple <laughs> commanders oh <laughs> these ones aren't as special look they're not not as special in fact they are just as special as mdfcs and you're going to want to show your love for those special cards by getting them yourself by going to cardkingcom slash command zone. You can pick up all of these amazing cards. As you saw, there's the Phyrexian script on that you freaking Vorinclex. You want Phyrexian Vorinclex. That thing is sweet. Yeah, I'm definitely going to pick one of those up. Uh, and cardkingcom slash command zone is where I always do go because their shipping is super fast. They have my product when I need to get it really quickly when I'm building a deck for game nights or if I just want to be able to play that deck on spell table as quickly as possible. So make sure you use the affiliate link. You're also helping out the show. Eat your heart out, Craig. Look yum, at that. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> but that one's not yours. It's mine. Yeah. Or maybe Jimmy's. Uh, actually, you... I don't, I don't, these cards are actually, they belong to the command zone. Yeah. yeah. We might need them for an episode, <laughs> so they'll stay here for now. If you want to get any of the called home theme stuff that goes onto your playmats, onto your sleeves, onto your deck boxes, Ultra Pro is the place to go. They not only make the coolest stuff that's themed to every set, they have the licensing agreement with Wizards so that mm-hmm. they're able to do that, but they also just make the best stuff to protect your game pieces. Eclipse sleeves, Pro Gloss now, oh, yeah. Satin Towers, Mythic Collection deck boxes. They have the awesome metal dice. They just really have everything to make sure that all your game pieces stay in pristine condition, but also so that your battlefield looks as cool as possible. Ultra yeah, and Pro, it all matches sometimes too. Yeah, it's the coolest when a new set comes out and you've got the matching playmat, sleeves, and deck boxes for your new deck. That really is, it's like you're all dressed up for a nice night out you, you look fancy and classy uh, this is one of those sets too with just great art like yeah. really cool art and I, they've really fleshed out this world i'm sure they're going to do some of the showcase art that they did like on these uh showcase frames mm-hmm. which is a, a certain art style that looks really really cool so yeah, yeah ultra Pro really does great stuff all right now it's time for okay. the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic i'm talking slowly so jimmy can come up with something looking at my phone what's on my calendar did i watch something recently is there any games that you've been playing recently jimmy Jeez, you know i wish i i work also as a host on the thing called ven which is a gaming network and i literally don't have time to play games have i talked about hades yet we mentioned it the other day, but let's talk about because I played it. Okay, yeah, Hades is a really fun game. It's on Switch. Uh, it's on PC. Uh, it is a game that's made by a company called Supergiant, and they've done a ton of really great games: Bastion, Transistor, um, really, really well-known games from the past. This is a game that's set in the Olympian universe. You play Zagreus, the son of Hades, and you're trying to escape hell, basically. And your dad's just sort of sitting there laughing at you. And it's a roguelike, uh, which means that every single time you play the game. 
when you die, you go back from the beginning and start all over again. Now you might think, oh, this is gonna be so repetitive or whatever, but the levels change a little bit. You'll go through different sequences of rooms. You also call upon the Olympians for different powers. Yeah, that so will each help time you, you go through, it. you have like different abilities. Yeah, and different weapons too. Oh, yeah. So it's like almost playing different colors of a magic deck. And each time you can do it a little differently. There's different strategies you'll take. Um, it's really fun. There's like a bunch of worlds to go through. If you love Olympian like lore and all that stuff, you meet a ton of familiar characters along the way. You're, there's tons of dialogue options options they i mean they went deep i can't imagine what the script looks like for this i think they have hundreds and hundreds of pages yeah, there's a lot yeah but it's a it, lot of you fun. make a lot of choices too so as you're going there's like uh skill trees yeah but they're different based on like what gods you're talking to or what weapons you have and things like that and so each time you sort of replay it quote unquote it doesn't feel like you're replaying it, it feels like you know almost new levels yeah totally. you're you're like oh i'm gonna try this skill tree or i'm gonna go in this direction this time mm-hmm. you know so it's 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 actually fairly difficult, which I like. I don't like games that are super, super easy. So it feels like you have accomplishment when you do stuff. Yeah. It reminds me a little of like Diablo or a Hack and Slash 2, which I yeah, like. Yeah, it has that same top-down angle. Yeah. Um, it's also called technically a roguelite because every time you complete it or you die, you actually, if you gain any gems or stuff, you actually take that back with yeah. you and you can start powering yourself up. So you actually get better and stronger at the game simultaneously, which is a really fun sort of like progression system. It does make it so that you don't get stuck in any one place for too, too long, it feels like, yeah, which is yeah. good. I haven't played till the very end so maybe it gets harder later but like yeah, in I would the early, say it, early stages it's it's, like Pete, it doesn't like get massively hard and by the time you're at that end area you feel like you're good enough at the game to do it too which is a really cool feeling I think alright so Hades it's on Switch and what else? Switch and you can get it on PC I believe on Steam See? and Epic Games I think has it as well yeah very fun I, it's also a game that you can play in short increments which yeah, is ideal for my life time. right now <laughs> <laughs> I'd never have you know four hours to sit down and play anything. yeah you're spending the rest of your time figuring out how to pronounce these names <laughs> <laughs> alright big thanks to our editing graphics and logistics team which is Craig Blanchett Manson Lung Ashlyn Rose Lady Danger Jake Boss Josh Murphy Alfred Stockstra Patrick Nan Sam Waldo Arthur Meadowcroft and Jordan Pridgen ah oh, they're all so great and big thanks as always to Jeffrey Palmer he does the living card animations that start our show sometimes live behind us on set you can find them on Twitter at livingcardsmdg alright everybody thanks for watching stay tuned we got game nights coming up and we also have our set review which don't forget we're going to be announcing the game nights audition winners for Patreon and Kickstarter so you're going to want to check that out even if you didn't enter you're going to want to see what the audition looked like from those who did win right so that you can win next time ooh that's smart it's like gaming the system speaking of next time we'll see you next time bye bye peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. 
or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.